Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 285. I'm Dave. I'm here with the main man, Rich. Rich, how are you going? I am very good, my friend. Very good indeed. How are you? I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Um, I do have some news from Michael Kellershim. He ran the numbers, Richard, and you are the officially the main man now because you, apart from myself, of course, who's done every show bar one when I was in Hawaii, um, you are the my most regular co-host um michael really? ran michael ran the numbers um and, and, and i'm gonna read out those numbers here i mean god bless him because he did something that i just have never bought i always said Stu did about 100 that was i i knew Stu did 100 so this is um from michael kellershim and shout out to michael our first patreon member and he's requested that we do uh, Harrow County Volume 1 by Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook. So, yeah, we will put that into the rotation. So okay. it's so called Harrow County. That's a comic book. Um, and Michael's just saying he's our first patron member. One of the one of the things patrons can do is request, you know, books. So we will put um, Harrow County in, into the rotation. Interesting. It's, a, it's a horror book, obviously. Yeah. It is. I believe it is. Yeah, I've, I've never read it, but it is well regarded. Um, now, he said, now to the big news. Um, Richard has overtaken Stu for the title of main man. He compiled all the co-host's appearances, and Stu had 113 episodes, 113, 113, and Richard now has 120, so it'll be 121. Really? It doesn't feel like that. I no. must be honest. Well, it felt a lot longer with Stuart because we're always arguing. <laughs> um, no, I'm only kidding. Stu is great. Um, but, no, uh, you've got 120 uh, so 121. So there you go. So I knew I knew you were closing in on it. I could just tell. Third place is Tash with 30 episodes. See, I, I didn't feel I did 30 episodes with Tash, but there you go. And fourth is Connor with 16. Oh, poor Adam doesn't count, he says. Because I think Adam's done a lot. Of, lot. Uh, I reckon Adam would be the third one after, obviously, Stuart and yourself, because he does all those flashbacks and dreads and Legion Outposts and everything. But he says it doesn't count because he's from Ohio. Um, he says, what can you say? Being co-host to Dave Lois Finn is like Icarus flying too close to the sun. <laughs> mm. Some people burn out quickly while others are made of uh, sterner stuff. Um, oh, here we go. Congratulations, he says, on your domination. Um, he says you get a special opt-out on the next Rings of Power episode as a reward. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There, well, there you go. Well, th- that's this week because you opted out this week, my friend. So there you go. Yeah, but I didn't know I had that opt out. So yeah, maybe down the track sometime we can give you an opt out. <laughs> but um, so there you go. You 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 basically you know the the, the most regular co-host now, Rich. And um, I'm not surprised. You've been doing it for a while, and it's been a pleasure. Now, no, it's been fantastic. I, I to me, it still feels like I've only done like twenty. Oh, you've been going for a while, man. Um, now. We do have um, some stuff. So Rings of Power, we both failed to watch this week. Pure laziness on my part. And I feel, um, oh, you said you'd had a busy week, didn't you? You had a few things going on, Rich, and um, making making some moves at high levels. So understandable. But we, what we will do 
is I'm going to go to Wikipedia and we'll give out a because we'll you know like we know how slowly this show moves. I can't imagine <laughs> that. Like, I can't imagine that so much happened that it can't possibly be comprehended. Let's have a look at the episode description for the latest episode. I'm just bringing it up here. Episodes. So it would have been episode six. Um, mm-hmm. This is the description on Wikipedia, and then we'll do our um, you know, reaction. So Ada, who is the evil elf, isn't he? Um, and, yeah, Ada or something like that. Yeah. yeah, like the sort of dark elf. And the orc army find the watchtower abandoned. When they so oh hold on is this have we already seen this one? Yeah, the, no. the, oh, this description is the one from last week. They find yeah, but the yeah, but, but that's one I remember. We're a week behind. Oh, okay. It comes right. out on the Friday. Okay, right. All right. So we haven't seen. I don't have. So I haven't seen the last week. The we haven't seen six. We've got up to okay. five. All right, fine. Um, Adar and the Orc army find the Watchtower Banner. When they search the grounds, Aaron Deer destroys the tower, causing the collapse onto the Orc army. The townspeople who move down from the valley to another village cheer as they prepare for the next assault. Arendir hides the broken blade, professes his love to Bronwyn, and promises a life together after the battle. The battle um, begins, and while the villagers appear victorious, many of the enemy they kill were actually the traitorous townspeople disguised as Orcs. I, I feel like this is describing what we've seen already. No, no, because okay. we we only got up to no, uh, Numenor leaving. Did we? Uh, they, they were going across the sea. Remember, they were getting on the ships because uh, oh, the sealed okay. door and all that. And oh. then the and then we got in last this last episode we watched. Yes, we saw the um, but, half but, the villagers go and swear. But weren't? But don't you remember that? Like, what's her name? Um, uh, God, what's what is her name? The chick. Um, you know the. Uh, Galadriel was like running across. I think I've seen this episode. So you didn't watch last week's. Is that what you're saying? So, yeah. No, I haven't seen last. Oh, week. see, I saw that one. Yeah. Okay, I saw that one. So um, I think. Uh, blah blah blah. The battle begins. Um, the rest of the orc army attacks for the shadows, killing many and severely wounding Bronwyn. As more villagers die, yeah. Theo reveals the location. What a stupid Theo. Like, it's just, I think of the Cosby show. Reveals the location of the broken blade to Adar to save Bronwyn. After journeying across the sea, the Numenorean army approaches and slay or capture the remaining orcs. Yeah, I saw this. They, they, they go across on their horses and stuff. Adar gives Waldrick a task before attempting to escape, only to be captured by Galadriel and Halibrand. They interrogate him. Uh, discovering his origins as one of the Morondor or Uruks, elves corrupted by Morgoth. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, they they catch him. He taunts them, feigning memory of killing Halbrand's Southlander family and claiming to have killed Sauron. As Halbrand is hailed king of the Southlands, um, Theo realizes the broken blade they recover was a decoy, while the true blade has been carried back to the Watchtower by Waldreg. He plants it into a mechanism, causing a nearby dam to open. Yeah, Water rushes through the orc tunnels towards Oradun and clashes with magma, resulting in a... Oh, God, I can't even pronounce it. Some ferromagnetic eruption and a pyros, pyroclastic cloud that approaches the village. So, yeah, I have seen that. So, that's in this. that's that sums it up. Um, they come to the rescue... Um, Galadriel and all that, and then they actually capture. He almost gets away, the evil elf, but they capture him, and it turns out that it was like a decoy, 
that he he didn't have the blade. So when they were paying attention to him, the other guy slipped away and he inserts the blade kind of into a very Assassin's Creed like <laughs> inserts it into like a sort of lock mechanism on stone kind of thing and clicks it around. You know mm-hmm. how you see that kind of thing in games, and um, it, then it starts a volcano and you know it's just like oh my god, what's going on? Um, craziness. And everything's flooding, and then this thing erupts, and the end. I don't know. It was... I wish it was the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone dies. Um, the end of Lord of the Rings, before it even started. <laughs> uh, look, it was... Actually, looking at that, I don't think they cut away to Durin and Elrond. They didn't, and I don't believe they did the Hobbits either. I think it was... Pr- pretty much this New Warriors and the Men um, episode. And it was okay, you know. Like, it was... I'd give it a 6 out of 10 still. I'm still giving the series a 6 out of 10. And it it feels very... Like, it's not lower than that for me, but it's no higher. It's sort of like, it's okay. They're really dragging it out. Um, it feels like this could go for fucking 10 seasons. We might finally get somewhere. You know, it's very slow-paced. Storytelling. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like to me that they're trying to... It's going so slow because they're anticipating, like, getting, like, 10 years or 10 seasons. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. Know yeah. What I, mean? I, I think they right. want this to go on forever, but the only way to make it go on forever is to literally... Slow it down. ...have only one thing happen per fucking season. Yeah. I hate that, though. You're right, though. Like, and isn't it weird? Because Wheel of Time felt rushed, I felt. I, I thought they rushed their way through that. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, this is the opposite. Yeah, it's literally the opposite. So Wheel of Time, I felt, went at a breakneck pace. Yeah. Um, and this one feels like it's going at a glacier pace. So, yeah, I would love to get a happy medium. <laughs> you know what? I Like, honestly, I know it doesn't have the same money behind it, but I would take Wheel of Time over this, frankly. Uh, I find Wheel of Time more enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah, but Wheel of Time was more enjoyable because, again, uh, in in a sense, they started off. Uh, they didn't branch over so many stories from from episode no. one. No, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like all the all the main characters start off in the same village. Yeah, and it all begins from there. But with this, it's just uh, uh, you know, in episode one, mm. you're already jumping between Galadriel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the hobbits the um the the watchtower elves uh, it, it's you know what I mean like it's just too much in one in the first episode that's what I said you've got to you've got to start at one place and slowly branch out yeah I know. um they just yeah but again it, it, it's it's a way of of padding it out like the, that's why padded. if you look at the the hobbit stuff that stuff has also moved at a glacial pace you know what I mean oh, Jesus uh, like. Hasn't even moved, I would suggest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, so has Alron, and you know what I mean? Even the Alron storyline is kind of yeah. treading water, really. It's not really progressing anything. No, I um, agree. It's, yeah, the, the whole show just feels like it's treading water. And you know what? Honestly, if I take off my Lord of the Rings sort of lens, rose-colored glasses, that's a very boring show. If You, you know, like, I, I tell you how slow burn should work. How the wire did it the wire was slow burn but stuff happened consequences were felt every episode the tension built you know what i mean like there were payoffs like there was a slow burn big storyline 
but the episodes were, were such of high quality and real sort of like things happen inside those episodes so that even though the bigger story was quite slow, there was a lot going on of consequence inside the episodes. Whereas I, I constantly keep feeling this this Rings of Power show, it reminds me so much of Assassin's Creed Origins cutscenes. Just like long, flowery speeches between, you know, sort of like, that are quite boring, you know, in a way. Like, they're, 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 they're sort of expository, but they're, they're overly long, and you're just like, oh my God, will they ever shut up? Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, it that's how it feels. Like, and I love Lord of the Rings, and I can see some merit in some of the stuff, and you know I love the Numenor stuff, but that Hobbit fucking wander through the woods, that is some of the most painfully boring TV that I have seen inside the last decade, you know? Um, it's just so dull that, like, I don't know who... I mean, they, they obviously know that people love Hobbits from Lord of the Rings movies, but, like, they did not need them here. You know, um, you certainly didn't need so many of them, you know, as well. Like, the whole fucking clan just walking constantly through those fucking grasslands. It, but not, the problem is they're also they're unlikable. Yeah, but, I mean, well, yeah. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I don't mean, I don't even mean, like, oh, the others, like, none of them, not even the two main, you know, the main one and her sidekick, yeah. cousin. Even they are not really likable. Well, they're barely you know characters I mean? to me. They're barely anything, you know. Oh yeah, but that's my point. But that's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> like I could understand if, like, maybe some of the hobbits were mean, but you really cared or you, uh, you felt for the the you know the main hobbit and yeah. her sidekick. But the, again, yeah, they're so empty, cheap, yeah, um, vapid, like totally, it, totally. You right. just don't feel anything for them, like even the struggle or whatever you want to call it. You just go as soon as they come on the screen, you just go, "Oh God, no!" You just think, "Oh," and they and like this show is so guilty of padding because they're padding the storyline of the wizard. The wizard crash landing almost anywhere else would have been more interesting than him landing with the hobbits, just so we can build the hobbit wizard connection. Like sometimes these shows, they're just so simplistic in how they dumb it down for the audience. Like, oh, we've got to – like, it's it's what you hate. We've got to explain why the wizards have a bond with the hobbits. You know, like, but did we, Rich? Really? You know, like, was there – No, we don't. You know, That's why I've always said to you, like, no one wants mystery anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? No one wants um, – not everything has to have an origin. Not everything has to be bloody explained, you know. Yeah. Not once did I ever sit there watching Lord of the Rings going, geez, I really wish someone explained to me why Gandalf loves the Hobbits so much. I was just happy to, yeah, yeah he loves the Hobbits. There's just something in the Hobbits that he sees is, you know, well, it was, genuine. It was the, home, it was the of the It was the homeliness, the comfort of the Shire, you know, like th that was so uncomplicated kind of thing. He saw a, a strength in hobbits that others didn't see. Like, yeah, but my point is yeah. it didn't have to be explained. No, it was it fine didn't. just being a, oh, you know, these, he has some affectionate or, you know, the hobbits represent something for him in terms of, you know, bravery or, you know, the small things um, making big impacts on the world. It, it didn't have to be more than that. I don't need a fucking origin story. <laughs> it certainly didn't need Gandalf crash-landed into the hobbits, and that explains it. Like, that's just the... To me, that's a really lazy, lazy, lazy way to do things. Like, I, I just... You, I know... I often... 
I'm not as harsh on prequels as you, but this kind of a prequel where they where they feel the need to fill in every fucking nook and cranny, I'm just mm. like I, I I'm you know I'm honestly but also, and poorly That's and the poorly problem. yeah and poorly yeah very poorly like it's a mediocre like it's a beautiful looking show mediocre writing like I would say below average writing um so a lot of the acting is not great a lot of the actors are struggling um. They look like they're overwhelmed. They're in a huge, big show with so much money spent on it, and they haven't hired the best actors. These, the, a lot of the acting is poor, you know, very poor. Um, and I could go, I could go from Galadriel, you know, um, that awful kid in the in the human village. I, I would say is terrible. I, the the black elf is average. I would, is I'm being generous when I say that. Uh, you know, uh, like it, it, it's a it's it's a very 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 rare event. Lenny Henry is okay. He's one of the better actors now. Lenny Henry to me is never been a strong actor. He's a funny guy, but the fact that he's one of the better actors in this show tells me that a lot of people are not pulling their weight. You know, mm. like because I mean he's a comedian who acts a bit. And he's he's okay. Uh, the children of hobbits are. I mean, they're as we've said, they're nothing. There's there's they've given they're given nothing to work with other than the young hobbits running around. Um, yeah. you know. But it's... I mean, but 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 also again, it always comes back to me. What it always comes down to is talent, right? Mm. And if you look at um, the original Lord of the Rings, right? Sure. The way that Gandalf was introduced, and even Frodo. You know, and let's say you never read The Hobbit sure. and Bilbo, they just they they introduce so well mm. that you can't help feel intrigued, sure, or or interested and whatever. But with this show, mm. no one no one has grabbed me in that way. You know what I mean? Every time a character is introduced, whether it be the you know the um, the elf human love story or Galadriel or the their version of The Hobbits and all that. None of them are interested introduced in a way where you just go, oh, this is you know this is lovely. Ooh, these are interesting characters, or yeah. you know these seem like charming characters, or whatever. It's there's none of that. It's just characters are introduced and you feel nothing. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and uh, I, I would say that's probably a worst case scenario for a for a showrunner, like because they'll be getting the notes, like they won't admit to anything. Of course, it'll be like, oh, this is the most watched show on Amazon. But oh yeah, they'll be getting the feedback. Like, uh, like unfortunately for them, and I think a lot of people are saying what we're saying. This is a slow-moving, kind of lumbering show that isn't getting anywhere fast. I'd even yeah. forgotten I watched last week's episode. You know, well that's my point. And the problem is, is they've already built themselves in a automatic uh, criticism shield, right? Because they had the actors go out before the show was even out and just talk nothing except representation you know yeah but uh, but uh, but i'm i'm not hearing like i'm actually hearing a lot less of that than i expected because uh, no 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 but what i mean is that's why they put it out there to begin with yeah so that now when yes the ratings are low or people or whatever they can turn and say oh we knew there'd be backlash. It's actually a very successful show. It's just, you know, it's just these horrible people out there that are doing that. But the difference is, is now I think what they didn't plan on mm. was they losing some of the reviewers as well. Yeah. The actual yeah. critics. 
you know, because as I said to you, it's so interesting watching in real time. Go and look at any of the usual places that put out reviews, right? Yeah. They raved about the first two episodes. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so stunning. It's so beautiful. It's so, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And then look, read their reviews from number four onwards. Yeah. And they all start going, oh, this is pretty boring. Oh, there's some problems. Oh, da, da, oh, da, da, because the shine has worn off. And they realize, fuck, this is boring. I'm going to put like, something out there, too. I, I definitely believe a lot of these reviewers are paid for you know, um, or given I- I- inducements. Like, I-, I-, I firmly believe that, like, Hollywood has done this and bought press for a long, long time. Amazon, with their money and their pockets... Oh, the wheel, for sure. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Like, please don't don't kid yourself. Like, it's the same people who are giving 10 out of 10s to modern Marvel Comics at CBR. They're the same clowns. You know, um, they're probably a lot cheaper at CBR, but I mean, they'll give ten out of ten to painfully average comics. You know, um, stuff that is really very low quality, like and very kind of trying to appease a very small base. And you know, at most, it's it's passable at best, and they're giving it ten out of ten, our best comic of all time. And you're like, seriously, this is just awful reviewing like it's terrible like basically there's no critical filter whatsoever and amazon with their with the money they're spent on this show they damn well better be buying reviews because it's a slow moving quite boring show and i think Mm. a lot of uh how can i say a lot of lord of the rings fans like me read all the books seen all the movies love it pretty much all um this is the one where i'm like i am sort of like I'm not struggling, but I'm I'm watching it thinking, man, like this is this is the most boring take possible on what could be a really exciting story, you know? Got it. Hopefully they just hire new writers because I, I think a lot of it comes down to the writing uh, and the pacing, like of it all. Well, that's what, but, but that's why I say to you, this is why I say it's so shocking to me that they've got a room full of writers already. It's not one writer, no, no, yeah. and and yet a group, a room of writers, yeah. Again, can't even hold a candle to one man. Like, well, Tolkien was a lot just, more talented than most. But that's writers. yeah. But my point is, like, I don't expect him to reach his level, mm. like, or, or to even exceed his level. But Jesus Christ, a room full of writers don't even come close to yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 great dialogue, um, you know, uh, story, history, world building that mm. that Tolkien had. Like, that's my point. Like, I'm not not saying oh it should be easy, but what I'm saying is wow. A room full of people can't even like yeah get close get get anywhere close or even like eighty percent seventy percent yeah you know what I mean uh, to me why. this is like thirty percent like it's and it's not like it's weird because it's not like they needed you know I think their biggest problem is actually it's pacing um, and it's just a very slow oh. style. Like it's pacing yes, but I also think dialogue is a huge problem. dialogue. Dialogue is terrible. Uh, and I would almost say Peter Jackson did a really good job of chopping a lot of Tolkien stuff down for for the screen, you know, mm. and capturing the spirit of it without having to capture page by page because Tolkien could be quite prosaic in his descriptions of things at times, and, and like, he did a really good job. They haven't. <laughs> That's the hilarious thing. Like, mm. uh, th- th- it's sort of like what he did really well, they have not done well. And that's the difference. Um, and the bedrock of the world is there. Like the stuff that Tolkien 
constructed. It's there, but they're just they're like playing in this really expensive sand lot and just doing a really bad job, like a sandbox, and they're just doing a terrible job. I'm, I'm, I'm. As you can tell from my tone, even though I'm giving it a six, I'm very critical because I think they're bungling what is what should have been a great show, and it reminds me. Um, of a show that I want to watch fully, fully was The Stand by Stephen King. There was no reason that that show, it was a really bad adaptation, and a lot of it came down to the editing of it. Uh, it was edi- edited out of order. It was very confusing for a casual viewer, and there was no reason for that because the book is not confusing in that sense. They created their own problems there, and that comes down to writers and showrunners. And not the source material. It's it's actually the the uh, the, the construction. It was it, the way it was constructed. I watched two episodes, and I was thinking, if I hadn't read the book and didn't know the characters, I would be so confused because it was it was jump cutting and flashbacking and flash forwarding, and there was no cohesive sort of structure, and it was it was pointless. There was no need for it. It was like a really good. It was like this um, bungling a property. That, that really shouldn't be that hard. Um, so, and also, Rich, before we get off the topic, this is the danger, and you pointed to this, this is the danger where you get writers who don't have as clear a guideline for a story thread, and they're making a lot of stuff up, and unfortunately, they're not doing it very well. You know what I mean? Like, Tolkien yeah. didn't give them the same thread that he gave Peter Jackson, you know? No, but 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 this is also why I say to you that it is to me it's also very important that if you want to um, if you want to continue someone's legacy, mm. th- you need to get people who love it, who live and breathe it. Because while Peter Jackson did have a roadmap, the fact that he loved Lord of the Rings so much mm. meant that he wanted to try and be as accurate as possible. Do you know what I mean? He didn't want to make his version of it or um, change things. He literally wanted to, as best as possible, because yeah. obviously it's it's books going to movie, as best as possible, he wanted to bring the books to life. Yeah. So when you're working on a show like this, if you don't have writers, people working on the show who legitimately have knowledge, have mm-hmm. grown up loving the books, yeah. immersing themselves in the books, if those people are not working on these projects, or at least a good majority of them, right? Mm. Again, doesn't have to be every single person, but you need yeah. a group of people who have a passion, a, a history, and a love mm. for this world and this stuff. Because then they will bring the, they will want to do the best. They will want to be as faithful. They will want to, yeah. you know, um, uh, make Tolkien as proud as they could be because they love Tolkien. They love his work. They love his world. They don't want to be disrespectful. But the problem is, is if when you don't have people on the show, you have the same problem that the Lord of the Rings is having as what Star Wars has. Mm. People that work on Star Wars don't love it as much as George Lucas did. Yeah. Right? The vast majority, your JJs, your um, uh, uh, Ryan Johnsons, they can verbally say, oh, yeah, I love it. But I don't think they did. I don't think they lived and they breathed it. Definitely not. You know, people like a Dave Filoni who worked on the clock, like he, you can tell whenever he talks about it. Yeah, he has such in-depth, in-depth knowledge. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. can sit there for an hour and explain to you the history, the background, and what the meaning oh, of yeah. something is because he's immersed himself. Well, he was kind of like a, a, like a sort of like I mean I don't know what the word is, but like George Lucas is kind of like a mentor to him. You know? Yeah, yeah. But my point is, it's but even if George wasn't a mentor, the 
you need someone who's immersed themselves in it. You know yeah. what I mean? If you yeah. want someone to lead the property, you have to have someone that's kind of lived with the gorillas, so to speak. You know yeah. what I mean? Learned their ways. Because if you don't, then the person doesn't have a a, a desire or a, a a passion to 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 do it right. And what Lord of the Rings didn't need was someone doing their take. You know, their, I'm gonna because because that's definitely what Star Wars gets a lot. Like I'm doing my take on Star Wars. You know, I'm doing my take. Yeah. Like, well, they're doing that with Rings of Power as well. Like Rings of Power is this is our yeah, but take. I'm this gonna is say our version of it. I'm gonna say something that may surprise you. I genuinely think they think they're doing they're doing the Lord's work, and it's like. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're just failing. Like, I'm sorry, you can try really hard to capture a tone. I think they're trying to, but they just they haven't got the gravitas. They certainly don't have the drama. They're they're padding it way too much. They're playing, you know, and that's probably the biggest crime of all. It's so padded that honestly, when I was reading that description, I was thinking, did I watch this, or was this the end of last episode? Because it was so basic. What what actually mm. happened? It wasn't. It wasn't particularly well. Worthy of a full episode. Yeah, but that's like, yeah. So, yeah, like the, the point is, I feel like maybe the people working on the shows are probably maybe fans of the movies, mm. but that's all they've immersed themselves in. Yeah. And so that's the only thing they're drawing from. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. like someone like you, who, as you know, has spent years reading the books, diving into the books, you know, learning all that you can, that sort of person is much better bringing, would be much better bringing Tolkien's. But all they needed to world do to, was to, to there the wasn't that the much world. to read. There wasn't that much to read. Like no, but it's not, it's not about <laughs> reading it. It's just about what I'm saying is immersing yourself in it, making yeah. it part of your your being, your fiber, your knowledge, sure. your whatever. Like if you've only if you've just watched the movies and now they go, hey, you've yeah. seen the movies, right? Okay, let's make a show. Yeah. Well, that's the only thing you're really drawing upon. You're not actually drawing upon the actual works of Tolkien. Yeah. You're drawing upon uh, Peter Jackson's. Yeah best interpretation of it but you're not actually you haven't immersed yourself to see how he writes how he thinks how he builds the world you know what i mean you haven't yeah. immersed yourself in that you so you you're really drawing from the wrong place no i hear you, man yeah that's that's um yeah i think you hit the nail on the head and um anyway it is what it is we'll we'll watch um the episode you've got two episodes to watch rich <laughs> No, I think your description is fine. I'll just yeah, catch, I'll move just, on to the just, next just, one. Exactly. Just watch the, the latest one that came out like today, yeah, because it that did in full capture it. And it really... I guarantee you I could I could miss an episode and not feel it. Yeah, I, I totally <laughs> believe you. I, and, and that's damning. You know, that's okay if you're watching a sitcom from the fucking 80s or 90s. Like, you miss an episode of Home Improvement, mm. it really doesn't matter. But No, yeah, because it's episodic. Yeah. <laughs> but this shit, yeah. But, but yeah, but this one, I... Yeah, if I missed an episode, I don't think I would be able to tell. No, definitely not. Um, well, I do want to say House of the Dragon continues to improve. Um, really enjoying the show now, actually. Um, it was really quite a big episode. Uh, she winds up marrying her uncle, um, the Queen. He marries her uncle at the very end of the show. Uh, there's a twist as well, which I totally didn't even understand. Michelle had to explain to me, so that was that was. That was <laughs> I've lucky. been there. Lucky she was there for that. I uh, will say one thing, and a lot of people are complaining, um, and I was one of them. A massive portion of this episode is at night, and it's so dark that it's hard to see what's happening. I, I hate it. I hate it when they do this, where they're like, oh, "We're going to make it realistic and make it dark." It's like no. 
we're, we're watching this show. We, we can cope with the, you know, like seeing stuff at night, but we, we, where we can actually see the action. It went on mm-hmm. for about 20 minutes in such glooming light that it was hard to see what was going on. And this is on modern good TVs, Rich. Like you sold us our TV. You know it's a good TV. And we're sitting there thinking, really, is this, you know, like the best they could do? And heaps of people online were complaining, saying this is just garbage. I can't even see what's happening in House of the Dragon um, this episode because so much of it's taking place in, like, dark night and poorly lit, which was something that happened in the last uh, season of Game of Thrones. There was there was a, there was a episode where it was, like, in at night. They haven't learned their lesson, Rich. They got a lot of feedback negatively on that. And here we are in the first season of House of the Dragon – same problem, probably even worse. What do you say? I will yeah. listen to you, I guess, because I haven't watched it, so well, I can't. It's not good, man. Um, it's not good. Like it, dude, it's like viewers at home want to be able to want to see what's going on. Okay. We don't we, we can suspend a disbelief. Plenty of stuff has happened at night in movies and TV that you can see, you know? It's not like these are the first scenes at night ever filmed kind of thing. Like, I don't know why these showrunners and directors feel they have to reinvent the wheel sometimes. It was annoying. I went online. Heaps of people were complaining. And frankly, I was one of them, you know? And um, I wasn't happy. I was looking for answers. Um, It was a good episode. Uh, Slightly marred by that. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. It would have been an 8 out of 10 if not for the lighting issues, Rich. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, commented on by both Michelle and myself individually. Individually came to the assessment. Weren't doing mirrors. Weren't playing mirrors. I, I, She said it. I said it pretty much same time. And said, what's going on? Is there something wrong with the TV? No, turns out. But I mean, is that not an artistic choice? It was an artistic choice, Rich, but it was a wrong choice. Okay. You can make a choice and be wrong, and that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, that's fair point. I'm calling the showrunners to account. I'm calling HBO to account. You know, the director. I don't know if he should work again. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now, man. Like, you know, like big call. Some might say, but uh, maybe you should go back to directing commercials. You know, <laughs> seriously, it's not cut out for the big time. You know, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how some of this stuff gets by. It, 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 surely someone was saying, we can't see what's going on. If we can't see what's going on, how's the audience going to? Oh, no, it's just my choice because it's at night. I would have said, hey, slow down, pal. You know, plenty of movies have been shot at night, at night scenes, and we can see what's happening. You know, light it up. Light it up. I don't know. I've seen lots of old movies where I can't see what's going on. Yeah. But it's not good, man. Oh, black and white movies you could, but uh, yeah. movies from like the 80s and the 90s, if something was happening in a dark alley, I couldn't find thing well dude we've moved on that's the thing we're in a different age now and this guy's trying to regress you know back in the black and white days i could see plenty of stuff that was going on at night you know the those moody movies i mean i love that stuff you know that but this was just poor this was like you're playing a game i can't see what's going on i'm, I'm struggling i'm looking at my glasses i thought it was something with my glasses at one point Michelle was complaining. It was chaos. It was absolute chaos. And uh, it's not a pleasurable experience to watch like that, man. 
You know, I'm in a bad mood just thinking about it. I'm going to move off the topic now because I've made my feelings known. Yeah. I've made my feelings. I've made my feelings very clear. It was slightly redeemed at the end by the wedding. I was like, okay, we're getting a little bit incestuous now. Okay, all right. David was like, yeah, bring on the incest. Well, it was, like, back. it was a bit interesting. I'm back, baby. I'm back it on was, board. It was a little bit interesting that they went there in that direction. I was, I was like, okay, like we're, we're, doing, we're doing realistic royal behavior back in the Middle Ages, man, you know? None of it was, none of it was, uh, it, was it was all happening back then, that kind of stuff, like intermarriage, you know, inside the family, kind of crazy shit like that to preserve the crown, preserve the bloodline. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on like that back in those days. And there was, in fairness, there was a lot of good scenes in the episode that didn't involve the night battle. There was some really, really cool stuff where the children are fighting, one of them loses an eye, uh, he gets the big, big dragon. Um, so you're starting to see, like, it really is a good series. I, I'm really enjoying it. Seven out of ten for this episode, and it would have been an eight if not for the lighting issues. Um I want to shout out Elliot S. Magan. Um, we had Elliot on the show this week. The episode's up. Please check it out, guys. Hour and a half with Elliot S. Magan. It was an absolute pleasure, wasn't it, Rich? Oh, yeah. Just great. loved it. It was really, really great. Um, I felt like I was in the uh, room with Julie Schwartz and him. You know, like I was getting oh, him to describe it in such detail, man, you know? Oh, yeah. It was really good. He didn't really hold, he didn't hold anything back, uh, which was really nice. And I not that he was like, there was anything, but like just talking about Julie Swartz and like how yeah. they used to go at each other's throats and mm. that, you know, that he would get so pissed off that he would leave the company for a while, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. I was like, I just love that he was, he was telling her, not, not like, you know, oh, I won't say much or, he gave it he, he gave us the the inside scoop well that's what inside you want scoop. too like so many years have passed like you know like and and also they they, they reconciled it sounded like they had some quarrels at the time and stuff but we'd kind of get back yeah, together. But I, yeah I, 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 what i love though is i think that's what i think a lot of people today don't realize What's you that? know because they think that everyone's got to be like kumbaya and sure. get on and there's going to be no animosity or sure hardship and it's like yeah but that breeds character man like sure you know you, you you look at the stories he was telling like you know for a long time him and kurt swan didn't even get on or you he know kind even of on almost, terms. yeah kurt swan was like uh yeah they really just didn't say eye to eye. they produced the best work like yeah you know what i mean and, and at the end of the like and at the end of their career they, they became very good friends so my point yeah, is like true. i wish people would realize that you know all these like safe spaces shit and you know that everyone has to like hold hands and get on it, you, sure. that's not true it's not true because hardship can breed strong friendships uh and, so, and strong bonds so but it was great it was a great chat with him exactly ricky ponning facing the west indian bowling you know david boom back in the 80s having to face it like for you know for west indian pace attack bred a lot of character rich you know mm. like it was it was tough cricket yeah. um yeah a hundred percent, man. Like AB carrying the side for ten years, yeah. Took a lot of character. Took a lot of guts. Didn't come easy, did it, Rich? Uh-uh. Exactly, man. Not well, at all. that's the thing. Like, yeah, a bit of a bit of what do you say? Trying times and stress does build a bit of character. Some of the stuff's character building, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people understand that. Like, you do get your um your whiners, basically. But, no, um, but I'm talking about like people babies. in the industry today. I think you yeah, know what Jesus. I mean. Like They're Jesus Christ, you know they they can only work with people who think 
100% or 103% the same as them and you know what I mean sure. vote the same way and walk the same way and shit the same way like it's it's ridiculous how instinct everyone has to be now to work together it's ridiculous it's over the top completely like I find it very uninteresting actually um yeah no so but look Elias Magan was fantastic check out the episode um already we're talking about having him back on before the end of the year Already conversations are taking place, Rich. Um, he's such a nice guy, and uh, we're always available. Uh, when he does his novels and stuff, have him on and stuff like that. I think he, he's he's a genuine, uh, good storyteller. He, he, obviously, a great storyteller in his comics and novels, and I, I think a really gifted storyteller just um, you know, over the phone as we had him. Now, speaking, this week we're doing Luthor by Azarello and Lee Bermehu, and I said to myself... I gave myself a little reading task, Rich. I said, I'm going to read the trade where uh, Lex, uh, sorry, no, where Clark Kent or Superman reveals Clark Kent's his secret identity. I'm going to re- I'm going to drag myself into read this uh, Bendis trade, which thankfully wasn't too long. And I we must have done the issue where he revealed his truth on the show because I remembered that. Um, oh my god, it was a slog. Like, it's not that it's actually, for Bendis, it's actually not his worst, but forget about action, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, talking, 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 just endless talking, talking, talking for 140 pages, like, and not fascinating stuff either. Um yeah, it was a slog, and I really wanted to see what Lex Luthor's uh, reaction was to it. That was why I read it, and turns out that's a one-shot right at the end. It's actually a pretty good scene. Um, I'm not even sure if Ben just wrote it because different people wrote that one, but um, basically it has Lex sitting in a chair, and he's playing a message from the Joker, and it's just the Joker just laughing at him. You know, just just laughing and laughing and laughing. Alex is just sitting there, like stewing in it. Um, actually, a good scene. Uh, the rest of it, it's I mean, yeah. Joker doesn't know who Batman is, does he? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes he does, but I I don't think in general he does. But he, they always play it like he doesn't care or, or doesn't want to know. Um, but anyway, so he was. It was a good scene, like in fairness, but like. Oh my God! I, Jesus Christ! I had to slog through it. What was hilarious was one scene where Bendis writes it, where he goes to tell Jimmy, but Lois has already told Jimmy earlier that morning. Then cut later, there's a scene, and I think it was written by Matt Fraction, where he's standing there and Jimmy's like looking at some monitors or something, and Superman's just standing there going, "We're good, aren't we? We're good. We're good." And he just wants the approval of Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, oh, seriously, out of all the problems you must have today, I'm not one of them. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I hate it when you read this, where you read one scene where it goes one way, then you read another scene where, you know, they're doing the same thing, but, like, in the same continuity, it's, like, two different reactions. I I hate it. It annoys me because I'm like, oh, my God, they can't even stick to the script. You know, they're, they're, Mm. they're doing the same reveal, and it's like... In one of them, Superman's, like, very worried. And in the other one, he goes to tell Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, oh, no, it's cool, like Lois told me this morning. And that's all the scene is, and then Superman flies away. And then the next scene is, like, 
it, they're like doing a replay of the same reveal, but like it, doing a trading differently inside the same fucking comic and the same trade. It, it, I, I actually felt it was really unprofessional. Like honestly, I was just like, oh my god, this is what happens when you when you get so many people wanting to do their take. You know, it's like, oh, uh, and the fact it was in the same trade made it even more galling to me. Um, somehow, yeah, and you know, the thing is, um. Super, uh, I've Bendis has really, really just turned me off Superman really completely. Honestly, like mm. I, the only Superman I'm interested in now is pre-Bendis Superman. Like, sure, I can't, I can't read Superman now after Bendis because I feel like he's fucked it for you. He's just, he's just ruined the character so much. Um, and he's had help. I'm not putting it all <laughs> on him. He's he's had help, but um, I can't, man. Like, um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the you look at the Fantastic Bronze Age Superman we've been reading so much better lately and stuff and all that. And so I'm sorry, better. it's just, I, you know, the fact that he's come out to the world, you know, again because they did it the first time in the New Fifty Two, and that was a colossal failure. Did they do it then? See, I didn't even realize they did it then. Yeah, but then, yeah. but then they did it. You know, but then they got rid of that Superman. Yeah, and brought back the other ship, and then they merged, and then when they merged, his secret identity became a secret again. Right. So they were like, "Oh, finally, they fucking fixed it." Yeah. And then not short, not long after that, Bendis comes along and goes, oh, "I want to reveal his identity again." And they were like, "Go for it, Bendis." We're, instead of saying, yeah. "No, you hack." Yeah. We've already done that. We put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> yeah. Come up with a better idea. It, it's terrible. Like, and I actually said to Elliot, who was on record as saying he thought it was a bad idea. I, I Like, what I don't understand is, and what this this di- didn't uh, at all explain, if he is Superman, with all the disasters that are constantly happening in the world, you know what I mean? Like, just not even just, like, aliens attacking. I'm talking just, like, generic disaster, bushfire, flood, famine, all this stuff that he can help out with. Why would he be sitting there typing on a typewriter and people are supposed to be like, oh, Superman's... It's like Superman's just got this bullshit job. Everyone knows who he is now. There's no need to have the identity. Well, that's the thing. Once he... And and you know what? Um, it's funny because we actually... Megan did a, an issue that we reviewed. Yeah. Uh, and we dis- and we discussed with him, which was the... Uh, um, Clark and Forever, Superman Yeah, Clark and Forever, Superman Never, where they actually played with the idea of him being one or the other. Yeah. And even he knew then that if he is Superman all the time, there cannot be a clock in. So if he, and, and as Megan pointed out, once he reveals to the world that he's a clock Kent, mm. then clock Kent is from that moment dead because he cannot be clock Kent anymore. Yeah. No, uh, the, yeah. The, 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 he's not going to, yeah, the daily plan is not going to be going, Oh, listen, um, sit here and type up this fucking, uh, article. Yeah. Uh, no, don't worry about you know the China burning or, or India earthquake. Yeah. You you you've got to type this up quickly before you go. It it wouldn't it, it wouldn't happen. There's no ways he can continue as as Clark Kent reporter. And neither should he's... he. And neither should he, as far as I'm concerned. Like. Yeah, but 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 that's the fun of it. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the fun of Superman yes, yes. was juggling the identities, and yeah. it's fun because unlike Batman, mm. he has the speed. To yeah. pull it off, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He can, in a sense, be in two places at once. He can trick people, you yeah, know, with his super speed. It's a lot and more that, fun. And that when made he has it a, fun. It's a lot more fun when he has the identity and um, swapping around. Like, 
also they've gotten so much play out of it over the many decades. Why they would want to turn <laughs> their back on it? For, for like, let's face it, like, and I don't mean to hate on Bettis too much because I know he's done some decent work, but over the years, but like, it's such a mediocre run. You know, like it's just so. Oh, I mate, I would, I would uh, put it below me. Probably below, but there's nothing good about. It. I read this trade, and it was very, very, very sort of like honestly. Well, you're bra- you're a braver man than me. I did it for research purposes, and I was just like, this is really the best they could do. Like it was not even done very excitingly or anything. And I was just, I, I read it for the show. I wanted to get Luther's reaction. I, I got it at the very damn end of the book, which was Joker just laughing. It was a good scene, but it was probably the best scene in the entire book, which was filled with mediocre scenes, you know? And the reasoning behind why he did it was just, I, I mean, it was like the storyline, something like someone saw Lois kiss Superman and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and it was all to do with that as well. Like Lois was cheating on Clark Kent with Superman and it was just like, oh, really? This is this is the best we could do? Like, it was needless. There is no need for this to happen. I get that that was Bendis' big pitch, and they fell for it. They went for it. Like, I get it. It was a bad pitch. Um, the sooner well, they can wipe that, that away, the better. Well, that's why I said the, 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 the biggest casualty from the New 52 was Superman. Sure. You know, because it, 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 Batman survived. Because sure. as yeah. Batman, they just basically continued. They nothing did. changed. Yeah, nothing changed, really. But for some reason, they felt like they had to change Superman. Yeah. And he has, since New 52, they have never, ever, ever been able to undo the damage. Now, they were getting close mm. when they brought the other clock and then they did the merge and then he had the sun, mm. right? You were kind of like, okay, all right, we're at a place now where... We can start building from this, right? Mm. It's, you know, because, yes, it's natural for Superman to be a father and have to teach. It's, it's, it's That's the sort of character he is. This is, sure. this is good. We're in, we're fixing it, but we're also moving forward. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We haven't reverted back, but we have fixed it going forward. And then Bendis comes in and <laughs> just fucking just shreds it, man. Just like, and now I don't feel like it can ever be fixed again, honestly. Like, it just, and the shit they're doing with, other Superman, you know, uh, John Kent is just sure. horrendous. <laughs> well, don't you love that Bendis has now just fled the coop as well? So it's just like, thank you, Bendis, for just fucking things up nicely and then just leaving, you know? <laughs> it's just like, really? I mean... I just, I, it's, I'm angry because I feel like he never had an editor. Like, I, I, I just feel like they just gave him the run. Yeah. And and no one told him no or, like... Well, no, he, he did a lot of media. Yeah, like, his, his legion was, was very, very poor and his justice league versus legion was was actually terrible like to a point where you realize he was coasting on his name and i don't even oh, think yeah. his, i don't i he he'll, he'll make out to you that his heart was in it and i do believe for his superman it was his legion was just it was a mess it was a mess really and if his heart was in that he'd still be writing it you know like he came onto legion for 12 issues it was poor his Just League versus Legion was actually so bad I couldn't even finish it. I was like, I honestly can't read this anymore. This is so bad. Um, and then he just leaves. And I'm like, where's the follow-through? Like, all, you know, all this money they paid, all this hype. And it was like a wet squib. You know, really, it was it was poor. You can't tell me he, he did a better job than, say, a Tomasi, who did a decent job. You know, like, I, I'm just naming oh, a writer. Well, that's who, the thing. Know. I mean... 
before Bendis came along, yes, I would agree with you and say Tomasi was like, it was good. Yeah. But now if I compare Bendis and Tomasi, Tomasi's like um, brilliant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. By like, comparison, I mean. It's, it's, and it's not and even... I read in the New 52, I like I like Peter Tomasi I, his writing in general. I, I read his um, Superman Wonder Woman. I really liked that. And I know that that wasn't everyone's taste, but, but at least it was interesting, Rich. You know, at least episode after episode, issue after issue, I was invested. Like, I was a devoted reader. My God, reading Bendis' trade was a slog. You know, a slog. Mm. And um, it was nothing that I, that I would want to read on a monthly basis or weekly or however often it came out. There was nothing about it at all. Like, even the, even the reveal, which you would think would be big, was not. It was really sort of soft-pedaled. You know, it was it was small moments and not fascinating small moments, just small. <laughs> just small, kind of boring moments. And I was just like, I, I just think they've gotten so far away from the kind of Superman stories that I think would be interesting. And what's weird is we live in an age where everyone's got their version of a superhero. Like, we're doing one this week with Vanish. Like, big blockbuster superhero stories can definitely happen, and they have the artist to pull it off. So why are we going so small with Superman? Why are we being so, I don't know, almost unambitious? Like, it was. I read 140 pages of just boring talking, you know? Um, and I was just well, like... That's I mean, again, it's, it's so clear to me that... Um, and, and this goes back to our conversation with Megan, which is why... People should go check it out. Sure. As he said, he never had a problem writing the character because for what a lot of people don't understand is the thing about Superman is it's not he's not boring because he has all the power. Mm. What's interesting is that he has the power. How does he solve the situation knowing he has all the power? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is what like your benders and all that don't seem to understand with the character is it's not about him just being super strong and 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 whisking around and all that sort of stuff. It's what do you what do you do when you know you have all the power? How do you how do you solve it in a way that doesn't make you look like a god? You know what I mean? It's almost like you've got to mm. downplay what you can do, mm. and it just makes it. I don't know. Bendis, I think, should just stick to. He's not indie crap, I would say. You know? I would say now, yes. I mean, back in the day, <laughs> I, I would say that Bendis, I thought, was was a pretty good teen writer. Um, yeah. You know, when he did, like, yeah. Spider-Man. New Avengers. And, and New Avengers and stuff and all that. But I just think, I don't, current Bendis, I just don't think should be allowed near any iconic character. No, I, I'm actually um, hoping that Bendis just stick to his independent stuff and those people who want to read more powers or more fucking Scarlet or whatever bullshit he's writing, like, just go and enjoy it. Like, I don't begrudge the guy a career, but, like, this... I mean, he was he was tapped out at Marvel. Like, let's face it, his Marvel was just... Yeah, they just got it so bad. And his DC stuff, he got the biggest character outside of Batman... And really, I hit a lot of splash, a lot of noise, but just very little, all sizzle, no steak. And, um, yeah, I, I, to me, I think it's a lesson that DC had to learn. Sometimes you only learn by the mistake. You know, they took, if you think of Bendis like a ball player, they took an out-of-form, over-the-hill player, tried to make him the centre of their, of their game plan, 
and he just, for my mind, failed. You know, like mm. he he's not young and hungry. You know, not even young. It's hungry. He's not hungry at all. And he got offered a great deal. I bet you he got a fantastic deal. Something he couldn't say no to. And then he, they put him on Superman, and it, you know it is what it is. We don't like it. Well, that was you know. they didn't put him on. I believe he demanded that. Yeah, like, well, I when I say that, that, that he said, "I'm only coming across if you give me Superman." Which, from a business standpoint, I can understand. Like Bendis made the right deal for him. You know, like he he would he was offered big money. He was offered a, a sweetheart creator own deal. You know, they repackaged all his books there. He was offered a great deal. And yeah, of course, he, he would have had his preferences for who he wanted, and they would have to say yes to to, to bother leaving. Why would you leave otherwise? But then it failed. Okay, he he now is a dark horse with that indie deal, um, you know, and 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 he's kissed goodbye to the DC rebrand, which he was which he was spruiking heavily. Um, everyone's learned a lesson, I hope, you know. And and can you pick up the piece on Superman? Of course you can. Of course you can, Rich. Like. The pieces have been picked up on Superman so many times over the years. Like, of course you can. You hire a better team. You you wash it down. You start again. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, Jeff Loeb and Joe Kelly did it in the late 90s. You know? Um, yeah, it's, but it's I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if, if anyone's damaged the character as much as Bendis. <laughs> he certainly gave it a good... <laughs> A good attempt of being. You gave it a good wacky. There's quite a few dents in there. And I there's, don't know if all the dents are going to come out. There's plenty of ordinary Superman stories over the years. Like uh, I don't know. But like, ordinary, but that's the thing though. Ordinary is fine. Breaking the character is not. Like actually, like damaging the character is very different to just writing an ordinary or a subpar Superman story. That doesn't break the character. But when you're actually making massive changes to the character, sure, that can can damage it i mean sure. i'll be honest with you i don't i to me personally i still don't feel like captain america has recovered from the hell hydra thing <laughs> i'd forgotten about it um you know? like to me that since that happened the characters felt less important i've i've felt uh captain america's been i love captain america but i i don't feel captain america's ever been as good after Rebecca left which was like almost 20 years ago now you know um, or fi- fifteen years ago. Um, Hal Hydra. Yeah, it kind of sucked, but I, I, I don't think. Yeah, and then when it. they write the story, they don't even make it that they just reverted back to normal. They actually kill the original Captain America, Steve Rogers, and create a copy of him. Mm. That yeah. that is the fixed version. I'm like, are you kidding me? So what you're saying now, it's not even the real fucking Steve Rogers. I will have a counterpoint you, to that argument, uh, though. See, I don't think like okay, it was like I'm, I'm not defending the story. I think the story was a bit silly, but I believe in comics. A lot of the time, a lot of crazy shits happened, and really, it just gets brushed away by a new by a new team. And so that like whatever happened in the nineties with Captain America, no, I don't even I agree. Know. No, no, but Dave, I agree with you to a point. I agree that yes, of course you can do a Hal Hydra story mm. where someone gets a cube and makes it that whatever, whatever, but the story has to end with you undoing that. Not you actually killing off the original Yeah, but the Captain see, America I, uh, who stays the Hydra agent I'm and then little... creates a copy of him. I hear what you're saying. And I, I get you for the completists out there, but I think a lot of people who come into the comics are really just attracted to the current run and current arc. 
I get okay, but I get what I, I agree with you. But okay, so let's say this. Let's say you right, and you you pick up Captain America because maybe you've seen the books, or the, the movies, or whatever, right? Sure. And you read in it, and all of a sudden, some writer decides, oh, he's going to do a follow up, or he's going to do something that ties into the fact that he's not really Captain America. Mm. That poor guy is going to be really good. Wait, what do you mean I haven't been reading the real Captain America? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm confused. What, I hear what, what you're saying. Guy's, like, I'm just saying, I that's not how you fix it. I don't know why that was their decision to. I agree. To end the story. It wouldn't have been my decision. All I'm saying is, I do think in comics, when water goes under the bridge, and you get a a different team on, it can refresh and you can move on pretty quickly. It's like Angel Maybe. Punisher. Well, it's like Punisher with. Uh, in the 90s, after Chuck Dixon and after Mike Barron and everyone and had that really great run, and Punisher kind of went through this cycle where he was like an angel and this and that. They brought Garth yeah. Ennis on, back to basics. And I, I, have a, I have a counterpoint for you, right? And mm. I agree with you in the, oh, what under the bridge and eventually... But I think consistent long-term damage means that a character will never, ever reach the heights that it did. So you use... We can use Superman as an example, right? Mm. He went from the most popular, highest sure. fucking, you know, yeah. um, biggest character, uh, alien character, shit everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Probably couldn't turn a corner without seeing something Superman related. Mm. He has gone from those heights to barely breaking into the, and probably sometimes not even getting into the pen of comics sold. Mm. And, 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 he's, and he's been outsold by even some random characters. That's un- that means that character, unfortunately, while he's still around, is mm. still kicking, is damaged and has not been able to sure. reach the height that it used to. Yeah, but but I wouldn't put all that on Bendis. I, no, I God, no, 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 no. I'm, yeah. no, I'm not. But I'm saying he hasn't helped. I'm no. saying that. Yeah, you've got so many dents, and then you just got a guy who comes in who, and, and instead of trying to elevate, has put more dents in it. Sure, well, it's not helping. No, oh no, he hasn't helped. I, I think he's. If it was like the fall and decline of the Roman Empire, he's definitely part of the decline, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, he may not have started it, but he certainly didn't help it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, like, uh, you know, Superman in the comics has been struggling for a long time, you know? Uh, look, I'll tell you this. Soon we're going to do City of Tomorrow on um, on uh, Signal. And I started reading my, my City of Tomorrow you know, big chunky trade, the first trade, which is basically Jeff Loeb and then and Joe Kelly. So that's it's it's others, but they're the the rock of it. Um, it's so much better than what they're doing now. You know, like it's just so much more readable, oh, hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. fun stuff's happening. You know, it still has that social conscience, but it's just not as slow and boring, and like it's just so much of a better read and. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, the Superman books, you know, like, it's it's a long-term thing. There's a lot of reasons why they struggle. Um, I think at times it's been over too much, Superman. I think in the 90s at one point, the Triangle titles, great as they were, they sort of became almost too much and the storyline bouncing from one to another kind of exhausted an audience after a while uh, by the late 90s. I think Joe Kelly and Jeff Loeb was very strong, um, but yeah, they've 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 been you know the last five years has been terrible basically. I would oh, say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I quite like your role of role. It's not a it's not an overnight thing. 
but it doesn't help if you like say keep getting terrible emperors. No, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you right. are accelerating the decline. Yeah, they they need a rethink. Um, they need a rethink, and um, you know maybe they're sort of holding the fort at the moment. I, but I, I would dare say sales aren't aren't, aren't too impressive. You know, no, God, no. I, I, definitely on this. On if you if you judge them on sales right now, I bet you they're about as low as they've ever been. Really, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me. Now, moving on, uh, Mass Metro Exodus developer Andrel Korzinkin was reportedly died in a combat mission while defending Ukraine from Russia. The Metro games, Rich, have you ever played them? Uh, yeah, I think I played the first one back in the day. I bought Metro. Uh, Exodus, but I haven't played it. Um, but the guy's dead. Um, defending Ukraine from Russia. Is that confirmed? I believe so. Yeah. There's well, been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of like fake. Well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't get into it that deeply, but I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, it's like what a conflict. Uh, do you believe yeah. the news when they say they're beating Russia? Do you believe that, or do you think that some of that's manufactured? Oh well, that's. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean, is that there's been some really uh, fake stories, like the, the ghost of Kiev was one story that was circulating about it. It was about a, a Ukrainian pilot that was going around, you know, almost like the Red Baron type shit, and he was just, cool. like, killing them. But, but that turned out to be a, a fake story, uh, a propaganda <laughs> story. So it is hard to know what, what is real uh, coming out of there. Um yeah, both sides, I would say. The thing would be is, I don't. News. Well, here's the thing: I don't know if it's more the fact that like Russia can't just blatantly, full on, um, invade. But they, know, are. they they No, no, no. Well, sorry, when I say full on, I mean like just completely sweep through. Mm. I feel like they 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 got to almost do it kind of gradually, mm. like well, almost like almost while people are not looking or they're distracted and they inch a little bit. Take oh no no we didn't move we're still over here you know, or oh no we just had to take that little building and so like it's not a full-on thing so i mean not necessarily that they're winning but they definitely probably it's a slow but oh. i don't know i'll be honest with you i haven't i, I don't mean to sound nasty but i mean i haven't really been paying too much attention Glued to it. Oh, to it. you know i mean it's a it, it's a topic that comes up a lot at stuff around the water cooler at work kind of thing and i'm certainly sympathetic to the ukrainian cause but I just, yeah, I must admit, I I really wouldn't have bet that Russia would have had the obstacles, even though the West are putting in a lot of funding and a lot of equipment into Ukraine. Um, so I think that is a factor. But even still, I would have thought Russia would have swept through. But it's obviously very entrenched, um, intense warfare. Um, you know, yeah, so. but I mean, look, right, Russia wants to get what they want, but they also don't want to start World War Three at the same time. So they're trying to kind of have their cake and eat it you know what i mean mm. like they're trying to they're trying to do it in a way where they get what they want but they also don't stop world war three sure uh, and i mean that goes for the uh, u.s as well if the u.s put boots on the ground mm. that would be a, a hot war which is what nobody wants yeah exactly so everyone's kind of like pussyfooting around trying to get yeah, uh, get get things to fall in their way without without setting off yeah uh, the next world war well they certainly are putting in a lot of funding and a lot of equipment. I mean, they're definitely doing that. And I mean, I, I I would not be surprised if there's some manpower involved somewhere. You know? Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm I don't have a problem with uh, with countries um, sort of helping other countries in terms of equipment, funding, mm. and that sort of thing for them to defend themselves. But I'm 
I'm not sure I'm a big fan of like uh, countries just going, yep, we'll, we'll go to war with you or for you. Well, I mean, I if of... we're invaded by China, we'd definitely be counting on US support, Rich. Australia, for sure. Why do you think we're entangled in the, every single conflict they're ever involved in? Because of that exact reason? Yeah, I know you're doing that because you want it, but I'm just saying... Well, otherwise, you, you're, a, you're a walking... In, in today's world, uh, unfortunately, that is just the price that has to be paid. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I mean, um, really? uh, Vietnam technically beat America a massive power and they did it just by themselves with funding and weapons supplied by by russia and all that sort of stuff but i mean they managed to to bloody america's nose and make them pull out so mm. i'm just saying you don't you don't have to like ever doesn't have to go to war but i don't have a problem with other kind of like helping through like hey here's you know, here's equipment, here's... Well, I'm telling like you, I'm telling you if, if China did actually invade here, Rich, we would be needing uh, US boots on the ground. Um, and that deterrent is exactly why, you know, it probably hasn't happened inside the last... Yeah, but years. I, don't think, I don't think China would take you. There's not that much... I'm not there. saying they would, but I'm just saying, like, if that did happen against the Chinese military, it, that would be a... That, that, that's a big, big thing for Taiwan, not really Australia. No, it's a minor thing. It's a minor chance for Australia, but long term, um, it, it's a it's a potential. Well, Taiwan, but that's why it hasn't happened in Taiwan. You know, that's why there's all this posturing that goes around. But you've got to be careful because because uh, Putin uh, postured over Ukraine for years, and I think when he was doing his saber rattling this time, a lot of people early on thought that's all it was going to be. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, he has saber rattled on that topic for on and off many, many times, you know? And then he made the decision, the strategic decision to go in, and um, it's interesting. I mean, Russia's been bloodied before. Russia were bloodied in Afghanistan in the 80s, you know? They had a very costly war in Afghanistan. Yeah, but America had better presence. <laughs> America had what, sorry? Better presidents then. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, the same Afghans that, like, you know, caused the United States a lot of issues and stuff that swept through... Um, in fighting in those mountains and hills and stuff, it's uh, it's challenging, you know, just to actually, to actually get them out, you know, completely. Yeah, but I mean, but th- what I'm saying is that, like back then, though, I think Russia would, was would always think twice because mm. of how strong America was, kind of in in a sense, a bit more unified, mm. a bit more tougher. But I mean, you look at America now. Why wouldn't another superpower go? <laughs> those guys seem like really, yeah, like. Fuck, like useless at the moment. Like, good God, like they're infighting so much in their own country because it's such a divided country kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's at the point now where uh, China is definitely watching the, the Ukraine Russia thing. Oh, hundred percent. You know they they're taking notes now because they certainly want Taiwan. And if Russia is successful, mm. um, if they make many basically take Ukraine or get a big chunk of Ukraine, China's going to be like, well, now we know what to do or how to do it better. But that's my question before we move off this topic. Uh, are you surprised by what seems like a, a Russia that is struggling to take Ukraine? That's that's what I'm asking you. Like, or well, do you believe you're being think, fed fake news? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they're struggling. I mean, mm. they're not stupid to say, oh, we can just go in and America do nothing mm. because America may be, may be divided, but they may feel pressured by NATO and other things to get to get in there if there is an actual full-on we, we're rolling through the entire of Ukraine with tanks and mm. shit and we're, and, and we're supporting everyone, that's different but as I said, Russia I think is 
they're doing their best to snatch when the 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 dog's not looking or yeah, you know yeah. when mom's not looking is mom knows that you're there <laughs> and she knows you're up to something but you keep taking a cookie when her back's turned you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. i feel like that's what russia's doing at the moment because while i don't think they have a lot of respect for america they're still not stupid enough to to think that it's in the bag yeah. like because again sometimes to bring people together all you need is common enemy so you know I, I think they're really trying to play it like very slow. They, I mean, I think Russia is probably okay with the slow game. I don't. I, I don't think he's like. Uh, mm. he's, he's he needs to take it tomorrow. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know uh, no, I tend to agree with you. I, I mean, I, I I sort of agree with you. I, I question whether we, we, you know, the reports we're getting, and these are coming from Western media that are heavily, heavily, heavily bias sources, you know, that that want to tell you that uh, Putin is like a mini Hitler, blah, blah, blah. They're saying the Russian troops are poorly organised, poorly trained, uh, don't want to be there. Okay, all right, I understand that. Like, And that could be true, but it seems to be very generalised comment. You know, like, I, I, I totally agree that in Russia there'd be plenty of people who don't want this war. I'm sure. Of course there are. They're humans too, mm. you know. Like, um, but I still think the Russian army is would have enough people and get them into a stage where they could they, they could win this war. That's, that's all I'm saying. I know they're fighting a very determined, you know, well sort of supplied, you know, in a sense almost kind of like guerrilla force, but... It's in, you know I I don't necessarily buy into the the news that's getting piped into our living rooms about like Russia's weakness like it's it's I I believe they're over exaggerating uh, their that, weakness. That's you know? that, that's more like going like trying to piss off Russia like yeah because you know they're probably maybe trying to provoke Russia or or, yeah. or get a rise but yeah I yeah as I said I don't think it's that Russia struggling mm. necessarily I just think it's that they. They they are just trying to take it as best they can without studying. Well, they, you a, you're a sort of pointing war. to what the US did in Vietnam as well, where it was like to truly win, the amount of uh, troops uh, would have been so much more than what you know physical troops on the ground, not just bombing, mm. but like the commitment would have had to have been so much more because they were facing such a sort of determined and. Uh, sort of manoeuvrable foe that was also well stocked so well, yeah i think the fact that russia is trying to do it slightly and slowly means that it's also making it more difficult for themselves because it is allowing ukraine to to sort of be able to fight and maybe hold areas because again you can't just send in the entire fucking you know military yeah. and and steamroll it because again that would be an actual like um like invasion a... that you can't hide sure you know, sure. because at the moment they're all like, "Oh, we'll just hit strategic targets." Oh, oh, these were, you know, targets of war, and all. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. It's 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 all it's all a posturing game and uh, propaganda. This it'll propaganda be interesting that. when the true stories come out. Like when when That's it's all. I've always said you never ever you never get the real story in the current time. No, you don't. You're you're right. you're, you're you'll right. you'll get a much broader, better picture after the fact. Mm. Um. Uh, but you'll never ever you'll never know what's going on real time. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting, and uh, we kind of live in interesting times. Um, it's 
it's you know part of human nature. I'm afraid the the, the war now. She Hulk, you had some information here, Rich, about the Daredevil suit. What's going on? Yeah, I was just say that I haven't watched the show, but I saw some images of it, and it looked terrible. It did look terrible. Did you say? I think I, I think I shared it. Oh yeah, you said it. Too. Oh, that does look terrible. That looks really bad. Yeah, it's poorly lit as well. Again, very poorly lit. Very poorly lit. But why did they go for a golden red? I, I mean, I, I get know. it. He said that it's in the comments, but why would you do that for the first time you're introducing Daredevil in there? Yeah. No, that doesn't look good. What, what I'm seeing here that you've sent looks awful. It looks goofy, actually, is what it looks like. Well, that's what I said. I have a, I have a, my worry is that they're going to make Daredevil goofy like the rest of the MCU. It's not, he's not, he's going to be more Spider-Man-esque kind of, he's probably going to be a bit more witty and bantery right? and, and all that. Like, I don't think, I don't, you're definitely not going to see the Netflix. I like the Netflix. Um, yeah. Pressure, um, yeah. yeah uh, look, and, and people always point to that Mark Wade run, which I absolutely hated. Um, I think most people hate it. Oh, there were some people who loved it um, at the time, but I, I thought it, it's awful, like just not the kind of Daredevil I ever want to read ever again in my entire life. Um, but there were some people I know, I know some people who were like loving it, but I thought it was awful, just really bad. Um, you know, and they're like, oh, Daredevil's not always serious. I'm like, I know. We, we saw the Mark fucking Wade version where he wasn't serious at all. It sucked. Um, oh, we want to go in that direction. No, please, no. Jesus Christ, I'll take the Ben Affleck Daredevil director's cut over that. If I preferred that. <laughs> um, my Smallville marathon continues. I'm very proud of myself, Rich. I finished season three. I'm into season four oh, now. Oh, man, you blazing through. Yeah, I finished season three, took a break. I think I watched the first episode of season four, and I've just taken a break for a couple of days. Um, I'm back playing Ghost of Tsushima, actually. I upgraded. I want your opinion on this. So Smallville's awesome, by the way. Love it. Um Absolutely love it. Uh, does oh, I've got a question. When Lana leaves, does she come back ever or not? Oh, I think she has the very, very, for a little while, occasional cameo, but then right. no. Just okay. Once um, once uh, Lois yes. is like a permanent kind of, Character, you never ever see Lana again. <laughs> Mirroring what happened in the comics. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I, I, I really am enjoying it so much better than I expected. Can I say that? I went in with hopes, like I hope this is good. And and actually, um, Dion's wife said it best. It's like a lesser Buffy to me. It's like it's like Buffy kind of B class and which, and I love Buffy and I think that's accurate. Like it's not as good as Buffy, but it's, it's very much around the same sort of same sort of uh, feel for me. I think I, I really enjoy it. I I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun watching it. No, I, Smallville is great. As I said, um, it's only after, as I said, like five or six, mm. like round about there that, it's like it it starts going downhill and and then by eight it's almost sure. almost unwatchable. Sure. Um, but no, the first five six seasons are pretty great. Cool. Yeah. No, really enjoying it. Does Jorel stay a villain kind of thing, or do you get more into that story? That's where I'm up to actually. You know, you know how they always talk about Jorel, the father, and it's he voiced uh, Terrence Stamp, or does that? He's not a he's not he's not a villain. Right. Um, it's just that he can sometimes come across as cold, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. 
But again, it's one, it's not Jarrell, it's a computer program. Yes. And it's also alien. So, I mean, yeah, him and him and Clark do have, it's that father-son sort of like um, yes. uh, animosity, but he's not a villain villain. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just that he's, he's alien and mm. he he wants different things for his son yeah. um, than huh. what the, the Kents want. Yeah, it's just that. It's not that. It's not that he's a villain. It's just that okay. they want different things. Oh well, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, but very, very much enjoying it. Uh, now we had the Super Mario Brothers trailer dropping. Uh, you alerted mm. me to it. We heard Chris Pratt's voice. Well, two lines. So not, not, not disappointed like... in in he's not doing a voice. And Michelle said, Mich- "Well, not much of a voice." Michelle said no. it best. She said, why didn't they hire? Because it's not, it, it's animated. Why didn't they hire an Italian-American to do the voice? I don't understand. Why do you have to have an Italian-American? Because it's an Italian voice, like his famous voice. We all know the voice of Mario, like and Luigi. Well, yeah, but how why? come they didn't hire a, a Cooper to do the voice of the Coopers or a Mushroom to do the voice of What do you mean? It's an animated character. You don't have to go and hire what the fucking. But, but he, he's not doing an Italian voice, though. It, it, it is was... actually. Again, you've only not heard much. two lines. He actually. Go back and listen, and you'll hear that he puts an inflection on Not his much. I heard it. Not yeah, much. Hey, Dave, Dave, you cannot judge his performance by two, three word lines. Like, well, come on. At least wait for a I proper will. trailer. Because this trailer was. <sighs> which I thought was a phenomenal. Was a pretty uh, good showcase tra- of Bowser. Pretty, pretty good trailer. I, I enjoyed all of it. I thought it was actually a, no more than pretty good. I thought it was a very good trailer. I just felt, I love the animation. The animation looked fantastic. Yeah, no, it did look. It, no, it really did. I, I, I everything I liked. Um, I just wish he was doing a voice, or I wish they hired someone I, who could do a voice. I you know? think you'll find that he will be doing a voice. It's just that you haven't heard it. But come on, he's not going to do the classic Mario voice. Like yeah, that's come a on, that's very... a bit too. Come on, that's a bit too goofy. If he's going to be running no, around going, it's not... me, I'm Mario. No, like, it's no not that, but get... that's what people want. That's Mario. No, I don't. I can't watch a. Listen, that's great in a game, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think I could watch a movie where the guy with his lines in such a stereotypical. I, I literally. Movie. I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I want. I want no, the good I, graphics. I disagree. I want the good graphics. I wanted the game guy to do the voice. Whoever does the voice in the game should have been doing the voice in this. You know, there's got to be some guy out there who does the voice in the games. Why not get him? We're, with um, Optimus Prime, they got the original Optimus Prime for all the movies. Why can't we get the game guy for this? Uh, because the game guy doesn't actually deliver fucking lines in the game. He does. He's like, Luigi. <laughs> he <doesn't>. <laughs> He's like, Mamma Mia! He's like, all that shit, isn't he? Like, all the time. Like, Put it this way. I think people need to calm down no, and stop judging his performance on two, three-word lines. Like, seriously. Chris Pratt, a uh, horribly flat actor most of his career, um, always relied on Goofy. Uh, a few good performances scattered amongst, uh, you know, not a great actor, put it that way. And if he's just going to do Chris Pratt voice, I don't understand why they hired him. Like... God, he's not the star. You know, Chris Pratt doing the voice shouldn't be the thing. The star is the animation. It's the characters. Like, it's animated. So the whole point of having Chris Pratt, who sleepwalks his way through half of his movies, it just it just feels so unnecessary. I don't understand it. Like, 
I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand sometimes why they get these celebrities to do voice acting roles that should be filled by proper... Well, I mean, you're I mean, Mr. Voice you know, Actor. You you love voice actors. There's got to be guys who can do a better job. We know that you can judge a movie whether it's going to be the greatest thing ever performance ever by uh, three seconds of dialogue. So uh, we'll, yeah. we, we'll listen to you, Dave. Uh, many times I've been proven right. Um We'll say this. We'll say this. Uh, I actually, you know what? I'll I'll take a shout out to Mike Kershaw, and I would love for him to compile the amount of times you said something to be the greatest movie ever. I'm not saying in the this history is... of movies, and you've been proven to be right. I'd love to know how often you've been right. <laughs> Many times, um, but the animation looks fantastic. Thing, Dave, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm not saying you're right either because they've not given you enough for you make any judgment on his performance or whether he's right for the role what, I what i'm saying is why don't we wait till they drop an actual proper trailer where we can actually see what he's doing Do because you want i'm telling a... you now he's putting on a slight accent it's That's not a it. thick accent no, but he not. is actually putting on an accent it's not enough of an accent man that's what i'm saying but why can't right. they so he decided as the actor yeah. who's got no say in the voice direction or whatever he said, no, Mr. Director, this is what I'm doing. The Or was he told, listen, we don't want you to go overboard. We just want a slight accent. We're paying you that give us that performance. Yeah, so end, you, you said it's his fault. It's partly his fault, yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and also the director as well. And, and whoever's yeah in charge of the voices. Yeah, all of them. Okay. Like, I, but, think, I think I'll wait till another trailer before. I'll, I'll say this about Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt has delivered more ordering performances than good performances in his career. He's a notoriously flat actor. Um, he, you know, go- <laughs> goofy, goofy is his shtick most of the time. Well, I'm um, sorry, Dave. Has he delivered goofy or flat? Which one is it? In, in dramatic roles, such as was it Passengers? Awfully flat. Awfully okay. flat. So the one drama that he tried oh, to do was flat. Okay, awful. I'll grant you that. Awful. Um, I found he was grating in Guardians 2. Very grating. Uh, his best work, in my opinion, was his limited roles where he, in uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, you know, like, what I'm saying is not a great actor, basically, is all I'm saying. Um, he's, okay. he's no thespian, that's for sure. He's okay. Like, nothing incredible. I just, what I don't understand, I, I think what I'm not understanding is I just can't get past they're not giving Mario the Mario voice. And it wouldn't matter who it was. It could be fucking, God, Tom Cruise not doing a voice. I would be annoyed. It's it's not so much just Chris Pratt. It's the decision to not do the Mario voice that's annoying to me. I don't, And I don't understand it. I, I don't get, it's one of the most recognisable things about the Mario franchise. Casuals like me know it. So why aren't we being being given it? Why are we being given this very slight? And I did I, I did listen, and there is a very slight sort of uh, I don't know if it's accent or manner of speaking, but it's way it's so subtle, and Mario is not subtle. So I'm just saying, why aren't you giving the world what we associate with Mario? That's you know that's you've got to give the punters what they want and what they're familiar with with these things like. This is Dave, Mario. I, but I didn't ask for that. So you, so what you're saying is that only certain people should get what they want, and if others didn't want a stereotypical Mario, well, fuck them. I no, I I'm looking at the main. Yeah, I'm looking at a mainstream casual audience that that knows Mario that way. Why wouldn't that audience 
be given that performance? Like, what is it? Is it racial? Are they scared of, like, like I don't know. Are they scared of going because, to Yes, to a that's great for a, a game for the way I go where he goes, oh, Luigi, Mario, because it's funny in the game, but it's a movie, Dave. You can't. You but can't it's a, have but a character it's a cartoon be that obnoxious movie. It's for an a cartoon hour and a movie. Hour. It's a cartoon movie. Like, look at the Lego movies. Oh, Think of the Lego movies. They they were like that. They 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 played to the base. You remember the Lego Batman movies and all that shit? Or the, the, the sorry, Lego the Batman movie was pretty terrible. I love. I remember that movie. being there. It was no, fucking annoying. The original Lego movie I'm talking about. Remember oh, the that? one with Chris Pratt? You mean? He was in it. I, I he was the main character. <laughs> He was one. Of, yes, he was actually. He was the main. I was character, thinking of yeah. Batman, Will Arnett. But what I'm saying is, in that movie, they had everyone doing like really distinct voices. Remember? No, to God, no, no, not a single person in that movie. Dave Batman. was going, "Hey, that's me, I'm Mario." Well, Mario wasn't in it. But what I'm saying no, is, no, but I'm would, saying no one was being that over the top annoying. They were being pretty broad. In that movie, yeah. there was some pretty. I think you should go. I think you should go watch it again, Dave. I'm just saying, like, all I, I honestly believe that I will be on the right side of history. Here. Maybe I'm yeah. just saying I'm reserving judgment. Trailer where I actually get to judge okay. his performance. Right. Where this trailer was really showing off Bowser. So who was? And good? I thought Bowser was great. No, he Jack was Black, good. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I loved that opening. But until I get an actual trailer that's centered around Mario mm. and I get to actually hear and see the performance of Mario, I am not saying you're right or wrong, is what I'm saying. I I'm will, saying I'm reserving yeah, just until enough. I see a proper Someone Mario. Like, and the rest of the trailer I loved, by the way. I thought the animation was great. Like, really, I really was impressed. So, Well, the good news is, Dave, if you really hate it, you can just watch a dub version. I don't hate it, though. I, I love the animation can, and everything. No, I'm not. I've talked about the voice. You can oh, go yeah. watch the Italian dub version if you want. They Maybe should the have, on the DVD, uh, I, I'm being serious here. They should have, the, whoever the guy is who does the fucking voice of Mario in the games, they should have a cut where he does it. Seriously. Oh, Why not? Like, dude, I guarantee you... There are more Mario fans who want that and Nintendo fans that want that than want flat Chris Pratt, which is what they were getting. Well, that. we don't know if we're getting flat, uh, flat Chris Pratt because he did a great job in the Lego movies. So, But he was playing the, the very dull, you know, like... Yeah, Dave, you haven't seen him do anything is my point. Okay. Right. You've well, just seen so... him arrive and go, oh, Mushroom Kingdom. That's all he did. Who's... You haven't actually seen him do anything. All right. Who's playing Luigi? Because I uh, I thought I detected Luigi didn't have much of an accent either. Well, Luigi didn't say anything. He just was more like, no, I think, hey, I think like... he said one thing. Yeah. Luigi, Mario Brothers. Oh, look, I, I want to like the movie, dude. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I thought the trailer was good, but... Dude, there are plenty of people online saying what I'm saying. I'm not the only man on the fucking internet. There's yes, a, and I'm all of... telling every single one of you people stop overreacting when you actually have a But why are you defending Chris Pratt like your life depends on it? Like, since when are you Chris Pratt's biggest fucking fan? Like, you know. I don't have a problem with the guy. I just think it's Chris bullshit Pratt. that people have decided yeah. that they hate Chris Pratt and so they will judge him in this when you barely got to see him. Like, oh my God, fucking worst thing ever to happen to Mario. What? And it's like, you haven't heard anything. Well, I, mean, I think you. I think you people need to calm your tits and wait till you actually hear his performance. Then I will take you seriously. 
do people hate Chris Pratt though? Like really? There are a lot of people seem to hate Chris Pratt ever since uh when was his... it? Maybe like twenty eighteen, I think everyone turned Is on. Is it because of his um, so he's he's obnoxious, religious Well, I know uh, so obviously the people hated him that he divorced his wife. Right. What's her name? Anna Farah or whatever her yeah, name was. Anna Farris, yeah. And and he made and he married um a Swajanigger. Right. Okay. And uh <laughs> And then obviously he 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 came out as a bit more, more religious. Oh, he's super, you he's super you, god. You, you hate him for that. He's super sure. god squatty. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, people have just literally turned against him to the point where right. they will literally judge an entire movie that is voicing with only five words of dialogue. Right. So Scott here. Pratt would have been rubbish if he got down the. It's a Mia. Like he did that. Like that's what he should do, though. That's what I like. He might do that. You I haven't seen the movie. Well, I don't hate Chris Pratt. I find him bland a lot of the time. But that's my point. I, I, this movie, he could be absolutely shit. That's what I'm trying to say to you, people. People could be right. He could be wrong. He could be terrible. It might be the worst. But what I'm saying is, you ca- all these people that are carrying on going, "Oh, it's fucking terrible." From five <laughs> words, five words, I counted them. Five oh, words. I see. You're you kind of like your you're kind of like the voice of sanity. I, but some people are like me, man. I want to hit the fucking iceberg. You know. Now I, I can judge. I, that, I, that's why I'm saying I'm super <laughs> impressed with 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 uh, Bowser <laughs> because. We got to see Bowser. Jack Black got to deliver some lines. He was good. Where you got to see a range of what he was doing with the character. He was angry to humor, you know what I mean? Like um, entertained at their audacity. And like you got to see the range. Sure. So, yes, I agree with people. Jack Black was great in that trailer, that bit that you got to see. But you cannot judge the Crypt yet because they haven't given you a trailer where you get to see his range. That's all I'm saying. I've got. I'm just saying, wait for the next trailer, and then I'll either. No, I hear. I hear your point. I've got a a thing for you. Remember when Sonic came out, the trailer, and they readjusted Sonic because the the backlash was. It looked awful. Yeah, it did. Yeah. No, I'm just wondering. I like. I'm wondering if the studio is holding back on Mario hardly having any lines because they may have two cuts with different voices and may you know sort of be testing the water a little bit so that when the next trailer comes out, you know. Maybe, or they could still be working on it because don't forget, this movie is not due till next year, March. Mm. Okay. Well, all right. So the, the actual stuff might not actually be finalized yet. This the, may the animation, be... I mean, dude, I, I, I'm looking forward to this movie. Don't get me wrong. Like, for all my nitpicking about fucking Chris Pratt's voice, like, it will annoy me if, if he doesn't do. I really, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Rich. I really want the game voice. Um, but. No, but, but can I be honest? But to me, they might also be doing something where they might maybe make Luigi the over the top one sure. and Mario the more heroic. How is Luigi normally? Remind me, because I'm not. Oh, he's a bit like he's a bit more frantic than Mario, but he has the same um, kind of voice, though, doesn't he? Oh no, 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 no! Their voices are different in the game. No, but but does he have the heavy sort of like you know? No, his is a bit higher. Uh, okay, right, right, right. Like in the games, he like especially when you play like Luigi's Mansion, he's like going, "Hey Mario!" Yeah, hey, yes, Mario. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know what? Yes, now that you do that, I, I remember. But to me, that's all. That that is the fun. I'm no Mario expert, but I thought that was the fun of it all. So I'm really surprised. It's like if they did Yogi Bear and didn't do, you know, the Yogi Bear voice, I'd be pissed, you know, because that yeah, was again, the voice. But, yeah, but Dave, but, but that's again, that's an unfair comparison. Because, Why? 
Yogi Bear actually had lines Yogi of dialogue in the, in, in the cartoons. Yeah. You know, he actually So does spoke. Mario. Mario's no, constantly in the fucking games, talking. They just have catchphrases. <laughs> they don't actually, like, talk. <laughs> they just go like, Yahoo, <laughs> Luigi, Mario. Like, they don't actually say anything, Dave. It's just catchphrases. Yeah. I get it. So you're you're worried, but but yeah, but a a pro, but yeah, dude, you, your catchphrases can still be in there. That's yeah. my point. Like you're judging, you're asking a guy to act over the top based I am. catchphrases. You can't have your but character dude, just spouting like dude, that high energy catchphrase. You, you could though. They, they, you you are Mister Voice Actor. You're Mister Voice Actor, and you know there are voice actors out there that could do it. Mario wouldn't be the toughest voice. Not without being voice. annoying after like half an hour if it's. Con- this is like probably an hour and a half fucking movie. I don't think you can you can keep that energy for an hour and a half and not have it get annoying. It's go, oh my god, why won't this guy just fucking calm down or, or shut up? Yeah, so interesting stuff with Mario Rich and um, yeah, I'm looking. I, I am looking forward to it. I thought it was a very impressive trailer. Um, the voice aside, I, I really thought it looked really impressive. As you say, the stuff with Bowser. Um, and whatever those things were that were behind the wall that came out, I'm not super familiar with the world, but it, it looked really cool. Um, I thought it looked like a lot of fun. And, I mean, hopefully it could be a huge moneymaker. I mean, I think the Sonic movies did so really well. I hope so because it looks great. It does. I, I, it looks absolutely phenomenal. I am definitely going to go watch this when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. Why not? I agree. And when did you say it's coming out? March. March next year, I believe. Yeah. No, definitely. Why not? Um, I really enjoyed... The Lego movies. I, I thought they were. Re- I know you're saying you didn't like Lego Batman, but I liked it. I don't know what. Part I liked of the on. first Lego movie. The second one I didn't find as funny as enjoyable. But second the first one I do. I, I love the first movie. I, it's great. It's it's hilarious. Second one's not as good as the first one. It's like mm-hmm. a, if the first one. I I loved the first one. I'd give the first one a nine. I'd give the well, second one a seven. You know. Yeah. You see, the problem for me is I find I feel the sequel is something that they made happen because of the popularity of the first movie, but they yeah. didn't actually have. You know what I mean? They 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 didn't have anything sort of planned out. They were just like told make a second movie, and then they movie. just and they had to write something. And you That's didn't like Lego like. Batman? I see. I enjoyed Lego Batman. I thought Lego Batman. was uh, good. I no, I kind of I felt a lot of the jokes didn't land for me. That's all. Well. Tough to impress sometimes, though, Rich, aren't you, really? You know? uh, humour is, is going to be a bit hard, though, because, you know, <laughs> you know, humour is subjective. It is very subjective, I agree. Look, it wasn't as good as... Um, the, the Lego movie was definitely the best one out of that franchise. You know, the, the original Lego movie I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Walking Dead came back f- for the last... Th- this is hilarious. The last season of Walking Dead has been split over like a year and a half. So I'm not sure you can even really call it one season, but they are calling it one season. This is the final third. I think it's season, I want to say 11. I could be wrong there, but whatever. It's been a long ride. Um, Two good episodes, actually, can I say. Um, We saw Rick's face at the start in a flashback. Um, I'm pumped. I'm ready for this, man. And as I said to Michelle, this is the end of Walking Dead before the (laughs) spin-offs. After this... It spins off into three separate shows. Daryl's show, uh, Rick and Michonne's show, and uh, and um, Negan's show with... Um, I got whatever, uh, Lauren, what's her name? Lauren? I'm not even sure what her name is. But uh, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, Maggie and Negan. 
So, yeah, three separate shows spinning out of it, Rich. Do you think the franchise will survive and, and prosper? Or do you think it's uh, on dead legs? I mean, I don't even know if it's prospering now. So, Well, they're <laughs> spinning it off into three shows, so it must be doing something right. Uh, that, mm, yeah, but there's a difference between something prospering and you just, like, um, beating <laughs> a dead horse. So Just milking it, milking it, milking it, milking it, milking it, like, just... Yeah, but but I will say this: it was an improve. Like, it's so much stronger than Fear the Walking Dead. That that's very clear. Like, it it really is super clear that this is a much stronger show. It really felt like a back to basics kind of thing. Um, I I was really I, I I really enjoyed it. And for those of us who have kept the fate faith and the fate of Walking Dead in our hands all these years, I do feel like we're getting towards some pretty um, like decent payoffs, they are starting to pay everyone off. Like you can just tell certain characters, "I'm going to stay here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that." Like they're 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 giving them their send offs kind of thing. And um, but apparently the storyline leaked that Daryl's uh going to be in Europe, and the story just starts with him just waking up in Europe and not knowing how he got there. And I was just like, really? Like that's the best storyline you could come up with? Like. He just wakes up in Europe and he's like, how did I get here? I want to get back home. Start season. (laughs) Like, that is pretty lazy. If that's true. That almost sounds like a quantum leap uh, ending. Yeah, but... but... Uh, Where it's like he wakes up in Europe, he's like, oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. But but they're going to be like, oh, boy, let's crank this out for another six seasons, you know? Um, I don't know. I just uh, look. I guess you've got to start it somewhere. But just to wake up in Europe and just be like, "How did I even get here?" <laughs> it's just, I just think it's really poor. I mean, I'm sure it'll be good with Daryl. I'm looking uh, forward. Isn't to it. that the JJ Abrams style of writing? Yeah. Uh, mystery boxes. Mystery box. Mystery box. Mystery box. I mean, Walking Dead has a formula. This is the formula of Walking Dead, the main show. the The group staggers from one disaster. They hear a rumour of another sanctuary down the road. They, for some reason, despite the fact that the last sanctuary turned out to be a complete nest of vipers, stumble into the new sanctuary. They go in with some suspicions, but think it's going to work out. It doesn't work out. It all ends in, you know... The... Isn't that the... the so basically, um, Walking Dead is literally the def- definition of insanity, right? Yeah, it's just the same... Yeah, the same thing again and You're again. doing the same thing, expecting different results. Dude, all the time it happens. And they're like, oh, we heard there's a rumour of this colony where everyone lives in perfect harmony, blah, blah, blah. Oh, let's go there. Okay, we go there. And, you know, inevitably it's like a little mini police state. And then, or no, the the, the veneer is rich that each one is like more perfect than the next. Um, You know, like, oh, wow, these people have really got it all sorted out. Like this latest from the Commonwealth, it's like, it's like a little mini sort of, I want to say police state, but actually I'm a bit like it needed to be a police state. You know what I mean? Like they're setting, there's this hilarious thing in this episode. So imagine like it's a little mini city. Okay. So they, they have like, like sort of like elections and they have like police and they have jobs and like an economy and blah, blah, blah. So they've sort of replicated the world that was inside a fairly decent size you know, what you would maybe be like a large town. Okay. But at one point, the the leaders are kind of coming under pressure because they've done some dodgy deals and people are protesting. 
And I said to Michelle, do these idiots realise the other option? <laughs> like, to be what? To be, if they were outside these city limits that are policed and patrolled and blah, 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 and given protection by the very forces that they're protesting against, if they were put outside the walls, they're in an, a wilderness packed with undead, you know, where they would just be food for the undead. It was like no one, because they, they were obviously going for the sort of pro-protester route of the last few years, you know, how it became fashionable to be a protester again and, you know, all the different causes of the days and stuff. And, like, they were doing that. Like, and I, I just had to say to Michelle, do they realise if this wasn't here, if this little police community didn't exist and the walls were fully open, it would be a living hell, you know? Uh, like it just the irony seemed lost. It was totally not addressed on the show at all. Like no one addressed it, and I just thought, what a failure of the writers to someone not make that point. Like they're so determined to make the military the bad guy. You know, the military in that show that's protecting the community is the only thing keeping them the zombies at bay. You know, and it was like the show forgets that the zombies are in it a lot of the time. They're only used as like a punchline. And so I just felt that someone should have made the point, like, if you really don't like it, why don't you walk out the front door and have a good time? You know? Mm. Out there, or, you, can, you know, make your own rules on the road. Once you've gone to your third or fourth, you know, settlement and realised that it's all shit, why don't you just stop and say, hey, why don't we form my own one? Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, I agree. You so, know. yeah, exactly. Why are you constantly putting your trust in others uh, you know, and I, I've said that so many times on the show. Why don't they fortify, like, they always go to other people's places. I, look, I know there are examples where they've built, like, communities and stuff, but most of the time they stumble into other situations. And I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting show, and I like it, but that that made me laugh, that scene, I think. I think I was just in that kind of a mood where I was like, seriously, I, I, I just hate in the shows at the moment, a lot of Michelle shows, like, it's softening, but that heavy angle, even in police shows, where they've got to remind you the police are the bad guys, and even in a police show, it's such bullshit. And they're sort of apologising for it, and it's just like, God, I hate this in the shows. Like, I hate it that it's in there, because it's so on the nose. And, and half the time, it's in police shows, where they, you know, it's like, oh, you are just trying so hard to sort of, like apologise, but at the same time massively monetise and keep pumping these shows out forever. Like, you just, you really just want to stay on the air, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what it boils down to. Like, yeah. You, yeah, and it just, it just, it makes me roll my eyes because it's, it, it, it sounds really forced. It's not written well. They stand out from the formula of the show as well and, and not in a good way. But anyway, that's just my two cents on that. Now, you've got some information here about Gargoyles, Rich? Uh, yeah, so for any fans of the old uh, Disney Goggles uh, cartoon, mm. the creator of Goggles, Greg Weissman, mm. uh, will be returning to the franchise in comic form. Mm. Uh, they'll actually be written by Greg and published by Dynamite Comics. So if anyone ever were wished that Goggles had continued or wondered how the story would have ended, Greg is now writing that in comics. Were you a fan of this? Sh- it was a cartoon show, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a really good show back in the day. It was um um it was probably as enjoyable as the Batman animated show. Wow. Really? I, I know people it, it's on Disney Plus now. I know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, it was a really good show, man. 
It was, uh, it was really good. Give us the basic pitch. What was the pitch? So it's basically, um, uh, obviously, the gargoyles, they, during the day, they become stone. At night, they uh, uh, can sort of break free. It's basically a curse that's put on them. But um, uh, And there's like a whole race of them. Mm. But um, they basically turn to stone and... Uh, I think they're like trapped somewhere and then they come to, and it's like now in the present mm. and um, they've got to figure out a way of sort of surviving. Uh, but then they also have enemies, you know, there's these human people that they've been, that you know, the gargoyles have been fighting for centuries. They still around and bigger than ever. So, so the gargoyles are the good guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't realize that. Okay. All right. No, I, I mean, check it out. I mean, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, I encourage anyone who, if if you never watched it back in the day, this the, this show was was damn good. Like, it's as enjoyable as Batman the Animated TV Show. I know that Marty Pascal, I believe, um, must have written some episodes. Like, at some point, I've heard him talking about it on John Sanchez's show. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know people love it. I mean, I, I I'd never seen it, but I I know I remember it being on, but I just didn't watch it. Um, I, and, I know and even though it was on it. Disney Plus, it was quite. Um, adult uh, yeah like the themes and the storylines it wasn't like kitty you know yeah. it wasn't like super kitty or anything like that that's why i i put it on the same level as batman the animated tv show it was very cool um uh well written um dealing with good themes adult yeah. themes that sort of stuff so cool uh now some great news here about moonlighting is saying it's going to be available on streaming soon rich the original Bruce yeah, Willis so the show. creator has been teasing people online basically saying that um it's going to be coming to streaming soon, although right. you won't say which one. Now, the reason that it's taken so long and why it's never been on streaming mm. uh, is because a lot of the copyrighted music. Oh um, yeah, this is and this is not the only show. Copyrighted music, yeah. yeah. Uh, Twenty One Jump Street had the same problem as well. Mm. Um, right. So, but it is coming on. It is coming online. Cool. Yeah, they were. They, he said they've almost finalised. Uh, he's been teasing people with it, but he said it's almost. It's almost there. Excellent. So any fans show. of that? Uh, well, you're just talking know that one. you've got that to look forward to. You're talking to one of them. I remember in the later seasons, Mark Harmon comes on, um, who went on to do NCIS. Um, uh, I always mm. remember him from that. Like, yeah, but like, oh God, I loved it. Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. Like, Moonlighting was like, it really was probably with Magnum PI, probably my favorite show of the mid eighties. I, I loved. Well, it was it. funny because that show was supposed to um, relaunch. Uh, Civil Shepherd's yeah. uh, career, which it kind of did, but yeah. Bruce Willis ended up being the actual breakout star. Yes, of of the show. So yeah. I always know that was interesting. Well, it was a real duo, and remember, there was a lot of press that they hated each other as well. There was they got a lot of mileage out of it, like you know, at the time, kind of thing. That was the that was what was reported in the press. I don't know whether it's true or not, but. It was that they hated each other, but there was all it was it was all a bit of promotional stuff as well. You know you what? Know? That's always been. There's been so many stories of that of shows over the years. I think it's because people love the idea of, like, I don't know why, but I think people are infatuated with co-stars hating each other. Because I remember yeah. back in the day, there was especially from like the 80s and 90s, there was always rumors about like, oh, they hated each other, oh, they hated being on the show. Mm. Um, I'm sure some of it is true, but I always think sometimes it's just that that's a. Um, Easy story. It's, it's like a fantasy that people love. They, they just love the idea of. of well, it was pushed. It was pushed in the press heavily. Like I don't know. No, how but, that's, but it's. Have you noticed? It's always like a really popular show. 
Yeah. The show is really popular. There's always some kind of rumor or story that like the the, the two stars or whatever hated each other and couldn't mm. stand working with each other. And I was like, geez, that happens a lot on very popular shows, apparently. Now, again, it is true sometimes, but sometimes I think it's just, it's just, yeah, as, as you say, it's an easy Well, a lot of it played so. into was Sybil Shepherd jealous of. Uh, Bruce Willis's fame. Well, that could be because again, that was supposed to be that was supposed to relaunch her career, yeah. and he ended up as being the biggest star. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Look, at the end of the day, a lot of it was promotional as well. Like that, they played. Well, maybe that rumor happened after because he was becoming more popular, and maybe mm. people were like, oh, she must hate it, and so then that story just started. And I loved it. I loved it with a passion. I got to be honest. Really, first two seasons of Moonlighting, lightning in a bottle TV. You know. I will watch that on streaming with Michelle from the start. I, I loved it with a passion. Um, I think I've got the first season on DVD somewhere, but um, I'll watch it on streaming any day of the week. Another show that I, I loved it when I rewatched it was 21 Jump Street. I rewatched that, and that, that was great fun. Um, I loved that show. I think that's in streaming, um, but I, I have the DVDs. I bought the DVDs for 21 Jump Street. Did you ever watch that, mm. Rich? With Johnny Depp? Oh, back in the day, yeah. Oh, man, I I dug it heavily. I, I want to say I think it was on, like, Hulu or something at one point anyway because I, I watched a few episodes. Um, You know, it was it was a lot of fun. It's on Amazon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's on Amazon, yeah. Yeah, great, great show. Uh, and I enjoyed the movies that they did as well, like the comedy movies. They were, they were fun as well with... um. Shannon Tatum and um, never watched it. Johnny Hill. Oh no, they're good too. Yeah, yeah. If you if you like Twenty One Jump Street, they were, they were pretty funny. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, uh, what's his name? Tatum. Oh. Uh, Johnny Hill. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of. Sure. I, I. I just sometimes find him very grating. Ah, oh, he he certainly can be. Yeah, he he certainly can be. Um, he can be tough to. He he can be tough to watch. You know. Uh, at times, I, I like him in some roles, though. I like I liked him in Moneyball. Um, yeah, but I mean, Moneyball. That's that's he's not the main character. He doesn't actually have that much. I like him in uh, some of his. He comedies, doesn't have that much screen time, and I like I like Moneyball. That's a movie uh, I, I really enjoy. But when, if if he's on screen a lot, I just I just can't. Man. I just, well, he's good in Twenty One Jump Street. He's good in Twenty One Jump Street. Like the, yeah, I've been told that, but I've just seen him in so many things that I. That he annoys me. Did you like This Is The End? This Is The End is one of my favourite movies, the comedies. I love that movie Uh, so much. I watched it. No. It's it's good. (laughs) It's a good one. Um, I I prefer World's End. Good movie as well. Another good movie, yeah. This is the end is more crazy than World's End, but uh, but I like World's yeah, End. Yeah, but I'm not a, it's yeah, the whole like Seth Rogen, uh, Jonah Hill. You don't um, like that stuff, do you? I love that you know, stuff. That, that that comedy group, that group, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that group. Yeah, I know, Rich. But you know, I've said it before, you are a little bit of a grumpy old man, let's face it. Like, let's be honest with ourselves here. You know, you're tough yeah. to play. It's tough to I play. Just have, I have higher standards when it comes to comedy. Yeah, I I get it. Um, all right, now, Sashin Littlefeather was the activist who took the stage to decline Marlon Brando's Oscar for, I want to say, Godfather, dies at 75. Um, are you familiar with this story, Rich? That um, basically... He, yeah, I know, the, I know the, the story, yeah. She came up and started talking about they had they occupied... Um, oh, God, wherever it was they occupied, like, um, wherever Castle... Little corner or whatever the fuck that was they occupied but anyway so she's famous for that john wayne apparently had to be restrained wanted to punch her out <laughs> i don't think he wanted to punch her out. i think he wanted to punch um 
Brando wasn't Brando. there. Brando wasn't there. No, but he but he was fuming and apparently had to be like calmed down. Hilarious. I don't think he was going to punch her. I think that's an exaggeration. But was he, he was. I, I, People I, I have reported it. that he was pissed and he was saying that he would clean uh, Brando's clock. I can't see any way in the world that John Wayne couldn't have easily defeated Marlon Brando in a in a fight by the seventies. Even in the seventies, where John Wayne's older, Marlon Brando was was pretty pudgy in the seventies. You know, mm-hmm. but by the eighties, he was obese. But like even in the seventies, mm-hmm. I I can't see Marlon Brando like in a fight. Well, that's probably why he didn't show up because he was just like someone there's going to kick my fucking ass for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he made a point, and I do appreciate people who make a point. Like it was, a, it was, it was a. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, she says she recalled later that her speech divided the audience. Half booed, and the other half listened. John Wayne was ba- waiting backstage to take me off. He had to be restrained by six security men. So maybe he wanted to. Um, he wanted to. They're saying he attempted to attack her, but like. I don't know. Oh, uh, that's probably her side of the story. Yeah. He, blah, blah, blah. Let's have a look. Attempting to attack uh, a fellow actor, Clint Eastwood, also came under fire for mocking Little Feather at the same event. <laughs> Good old Clint. I mean, look, let's face it. Like, I'm all for Native American rights, but I do question, um, I don't know. I, I get, I, you know what? I, I guess for public, I don't, But here's the thing. I don't. Uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Uh, today, I don't want politics in award shows, and I agree. Back then, politics shouldn't be in award shows. It's not. It's, yeah, it's not. But the, they all I, do I it now. Like yeah, but the the award shows are supposed to be a place where you put the politics aside and sure. you 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 know you, you you're celebrating movies and all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying I don't feel for her plight and and the history, but I'm just saying that's probably not. Maybe that's just not the stage to but do it. But you can see know. why he did it because it, oh, yeah, it drew yeah. all the attention onto it, and like you know, what's the but I guess, for the But I, I get the problem is is that if you allow them to do it, then you got to worry about every fucking year someone wanting to make some kind of mm. statement or whatever. And I guess if you start allowing it, then the then the floodgates open. Well, well, and then, well the, then it just devolves into everyone going on about something political or some cause, and then it's not really a, an award show anymore. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like I don't, it's it's yeah, tricky. It's tough. But the thing for me in the nineties, and look, I am sympathetic to their cause. But in the nineties, the big thing was free Tibet. Remember that you couldn't hear an award show without Richard Gere or someone like I'm literally in the nineties, mid nineties to about two thousand. You could not get away from free Tibet. It was everywhere. And I used to, and I am sympathetic to the cause, like, but I used to think, what is this achieving? You know, like, the Chinese government doesn't care about what you're saying in an award show, and no one's doing anything about it. Like, so what is it actually achieving? People say, well, it raises awareness. Well, people know Tibet's occupied, you know, and as I say, the, the Chinese aren't going to give it up anytime soon. So it just felt a bit empty. You know, like it was like free Tibet. I'm like, it's it, the equivalent of like hit like on Twitter, and you know you've you've you know retweet if you want to free someone from prison. Retweet, are they free? No. <laughs> yeah, I used to think, and and I am sympathetic to the cause, but I I used to think I don't quite understand what saying it achieves. Like you say it as you accept an award, like it's meaningless. Uh, to me, I mean, I just felt it was 
empty, you know. Decent, I, I could get behind the, the idea, I, I agree with it, but you're not actually doing anything to affect change. You're just you're just spouting out a catchphrase and going with, well, I've raised awareness. Well, I already knew. I already knew. So you didn't really raise my awareness, you know. It was very fashionable to do. It was actually quite fashionable. A lot of people were doing it. Um, I don't see those people making the same noise now. It's still not free. <laughs> you know, like, it's still occupied. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but a lot of that stuff is empty always. Like, yeah. it's the same with people that put the Ukraine flag in their, sure. in their bio yeah, on is. their Twitter. It doesn't do any. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't achieve anything other if, than make you feel. If you were sending bullets, if, about... if you were sending bullets and guns to Ukraine and funding them, that's doing something. You know, that's yeah. doing something. Putting the Ukraine like, and, I, and my apologies if you're offended, listeners. But this is just my opinion. But if you're like, in all honesty, if you all you're doing is putting your flag on your Twitter feed, yeah. No. And let's be honest, that's probably what 90% of people are doing. But, but Putin doesn't care about go, that. Oh, look, I care. I care. It's P- like, okay, Putin but what you doesn't doing? care about that. He's more worried about what Washington's doing, you know? Um, and what and what yeah, the, and but what, what, it's called, what do doing. they call it? Armchair activism or something. It is like armchair that's activism. Yeah, I know. And and I'm critical of it because I think it's too easy to do. I we've all fallen into the trap. I, I mean, I've, I've done it a little bit, but like little, little tiny bit, because I've always felt like, sometimes I feel very strongly for these causes, but, like, if you're not doing anything about it, um, and and honestly, if all you're doing is having pedantic arguments on the internet about it also, what are you doing? You know? You you know what I mean? Like, those people who get really involved in, like, the, the feuds on the internet over an issue where they're not financially contributing or doing anything, it's like, again, what are you doing? You're just arguing. Like, I don't know. I just, I I, I sometimes wonder. I I felt at the beginning of the Ukraine conflict that the diplomacy should have been a lot more active than it was. And I get that Putin's tough to negotiate with, but I still felt that potentially there were some opportunities missed. You know, on both sides, obviously. Um, you know, speaking from the Russian side, I'm sure they probably regret some of the stuff at the highest level. But you know, people putting Ukraine flags in their in their feeds, it's nothing. You know, Putin doesn't care about that. So, who are you trying to? Who are you trying to sort of? If Putin doesn't care, what does it matter? Like, really, it means nothing then. Are you are you trying the longest bow possible? Is you're trying to put pressure on your government to do something? Your government's already doing something. Your government's already funding the Ukraine forces to some extent. Australia is, America definitely is, uh, the European Union is. So, you know, you, do you get what I'm saying, Rich? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, it would be if it's not like Putin's going, oh my god, look at all these people putting the Ukraine flag on their Twitter feed. We better pull out now. Like it's it's not the way he's thinking at all. He's thinking on a geopolitical level, kind of thing. So, anyway, I mean, I don't know how we got on this topic, but I, I will say this: Marlon Brando. I will say that was I. If you're going for sheer shock and awe, I think that was a very successful one. Probably because it was one of the first times it happened. You know, mm. back in the seventies. So. You do the first time, you, someone does that, is there's a genuine, like, oh. And a lot of people are sympathetic to the Native American cause. So it was like, oh, my gosh. 
And then, of course, you have your hardliners like your Clint Eastwoods, your John Waynes, your Ronald Reagans, all those people. They'd all be hating it, you know? So it's like, a, it, it's like, oh, my God, she did it in the Academy itself. First time, it's novel. Um, that happened next year, Rich. I think we could barely, you know, raise an eyebrow, you know? Because... Yeah, and, and as I said, I wonder if she got booed just for the simple fact that maybe there was like, that was the rules when they, you know, when the Academy was set up that everyone like had to agree, listen, mm. we we need to keep politics out because otherwise sure. it's going to devolve into everyone Shouting match. wanting to, to, to you know, uh, bring up their cause or something like that. Mm. And then when he did it, they were booing because he was not. Yeah. Playing by the rules. Maybe what was agreed to or something like that. I, I, I don't know. So And always a controversial actor, Mullen Brando. Always had a tumultuous relationship with authority in the Academy. Yeah, and, I know. think he loved being a jerk. Yeah, well, he did. I mean, he always <laughs> he, he, he was always a bit of a bad boy. And, I mean, he had a huge ego. He had a huge ego, you know. And it was only further mm. validated by winning The Godfather. Um, he, and his ego by the 70s was out of control, you know. As was much well, he's life. famous for in the Superman movies, apparently never ever like, and, and even in the Godfather movies, I think just not remembering his lines. Like, sure. they would literally had to write it down and put it somewhere for him to, yeah, to see it because he just refused to. Same with to, Apocalypse to Now. Same with Apocalypse Now. Um, yeah, he's it, like I remember the first time I watched Apocalypse Now, I was so confused by Marlon Brando's performance. I was just like, it's interesting now, like as a hmm. more seasoned viewer. I, I get it. It's actually really interesting. But, like, as a – I watched Apocalypse Now. It's probably 13, 14, in that range, you know. And I love the movie, but I was just baffled by Marlon Brando. I was just – I was like I, – I, I, it felt like I was watching a different movie. And I was just – he was just – he was – he was he was Looney Tunes by that point. Like, I've, I've seen them making Hearts of Darkness. Marlon Brando was not of a sane state of mind by that period. You know, he, he had – like his head was amongst the fairies, the clouds, basically. Like the performance they got out of him was, you know, basically they had to shoot a lot of footage to get that, you know? Because he was just babbling, right? Really, it is almost just babbling. Like it's almost like if you gave me a ton of drugs and put a camera on me and I would come out with some stuff that was like semi coherent, that was what he was doing, you know? And they're like, okay, well, I guess this will have to do. But you go back and watch that first time, it, it, it's an odd performance, you know? So Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so Marlon Brando. Yeah, but but would you agree, Rich? You do it the first time, you'll always be remembered. You, you're the 25th person to do it, not so much. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I'm glad that other people haven't, like, well, it's gotten a bit out of hand now, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, well, what was the last one? It was Will Smith's slap. Oh, God, I saw some promotion. Oh, not a... just that. It was the, the one before that where the woman was howling. <laughs> what on, was she doing? Uh, who was it? What um, was she doing? <laughs> was it the movie that won uh, an Oscar? And it was the one that was directed by the... Was it by the Asian woman? Uh, vaguely, it's ringing a bell. Yeah, what what did this woman do? I don't, I don't think I've seen it. Was she howling like a like a wolf or something? Well, the actress was God. Who was the actress? Um, I think it was the actress, the woman that was in Fargo. What was her name? Um, oh yeah, I know the lady you mean, the one who did Prison Time for um the yeah, I know the woman you mean. Uh, Francis, someone. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was on there. And she was talking about the tribe or whatever because the movie was about you know again like that. And then she started like. She was like, oh, the wolf pack and all that. And she started going like, oh. 
really? on stage and, and I think people are just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, really? Is... That's sad. That's, Someone needs to lay off the drugs. That's more just cringy. But I mean, I saw Will Smith's promotion. For, they're like, Will Smith's first appearance since the slap. And oh, this is like emancipation. It's like some slavery picture where he's got this really bad kind of beard. And I, I just couldn't take it seriously. I was like, Will Smith, go back to taking a time out because I'm not <laughs> ready for this. Like, hey, Will Smith, try a comedy, you know, because <laughs> you've become a joke, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, then he wouldn't have to try very hard, would he? No, it was just like, oh, you know what, Will? I'm not quite sure if we're in the mood for you. Serious role in Emancipation and the overly serious poster. It just, it just, you know, yeah, we know you as the guy who slapped someone over a very, very minor joke. Um, mm. There's a new show that I want to watch, and I'll do a review of it next week. It's it's on HBO Max. It's called Hostages, and it's about the uh, the Iran hostage crisis. You know, they brought about the downfall of the Carter administration and, you know, they tried to... They sent the troops in to try to rescue them and failed and stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there's... it's. I just noticed it on Netflix, on uh, HBO Max. There was a really good series called The Anarchist that I watched that I enjoyed that was all about this anarchapulco, um, like this conference for anarchists and all the crazy shit that went down there with all these rich people with all this money, all this cryptocurrency money before it crashed. Um, I, I don't mind a bit of a sort of like documentary at times, and so I'm going to watch The Hostages. I haven't started it yet, but uh, I will have a review for next week. Only four episodes were out. I'm hoping there's more than that. Um, so we'll see. Have, did you ever see Argo, the Ben uh, Affleck movie? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I thought I remember the, the line from the movie, Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. So um, it's it's the same thing. Um, it's it, it's the, That was the one. Yeah, one movie is enough. Yeah, but I, but then, this is the documentary. I don't even watch another one. This is the documentary. It's got an eight out of ten on IMDb. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think it's a four parter. I'm looking forward to it, man. Like, come on, Rich. Fair enough. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll come back next week with my with my review. Right now, I'm expecting to be the greatest documentary of all time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, now, I want to get your reaction. Uh, finally, at last, Velma from Scooby-Doo is officially gay. And I, th- I say thank God that they've finally done it officially. Uh, apparently, James Gunn wanted to do it in the uh, live-action movies uh, and was voted down. But uh, her glasses fog up when she's talking to some chick in the newest Scooby-Doo. Um, I mean, I think it's about time. There's been enough innuendo about Velma over the last 40 years, would you say, Rich? Has there? Oh, there's been... Dude, Velma has been uh, like coded lesbian for mm. at least the, come up in any of the conversations I've ever had with anyone about Scooby Doo. Thirty to forty years they've done they've they've played around with Velma, man. It's not a new thing. Velma is a big big feature of the wrong, lesbian anyway. community. I'm not I'm not wrong in, in she has been a big feature of the lesbian community for a long time. Velma, definitely, definitely. Uh, yes, but just because lesbians choose a character doesn't mean that that is what. They are. I mean, for years, I remember even in more of the recent ones, mm. there was the uh, the the weird uh, relationship she had with one of the this other nerdy guy mm. who was always chasing her, mm. and uh, and it was a bit of a dick and all that. So no, I don't I don't agree with this whole like oh she's been coded for thirty years. I talked about, but she no, has. just because lesbians have decided that she's been coded doesn't mean that she is. Like, well, I mean, they no, I in, mean, in, you in, can, they can claim it doesn't make it true. Early two thousands, um, James Gunn tried to make her explicitly gay back then, so it was a thing then. Um, the studio kept it looks like it, so, 
Yeah, so gay conversion only works the other way, not what do you mean by not, that? Not, not the way that the Christians try. What do you mean by that? Well, you can just make someone gay, but you can't unmake them gay. I don't know what you mean. You mean like gay conversion therapy? I, I think. Yeah, but the other way. Awful. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, what I'm saying, he said, you can convert people to gay today, but you can't convert them out of being gay. Well, I think for a long time. Um, you know, for many years in Hollywood, it was definitely coding was the only way they got representation. For me, you know, many. Yeah, many I also think that people just read thing what they want to read into things. Dave, there's no saying that that is what someone did. That's just someone's well, interpretation of, of it, and then they say it as fact. There's stories of gay scriptwriters with the Montgomery Clift. That's scene. fantastic. Well, tell me, give give me a scriptwriter or the creator of Elmo who said that yeah, we coded it to be lesbian, and then I'll give credence to the the story. Until then, no, it's just someone's fantasy. Oh, I think was I think what happened was the show came out, you know, and I agree, probably nothing at the time. They just designed Velma, but then as the show wore on, she developed like a lesbian cult following. Like, and you know, it it got coded in. That way. Like, it was the only way they saw representation back in the day, man. Like, it wasn't until, it really wasn't no, until, no, like, no, it really wasn't until mid to late 80s that you really saw a lot of LGBT representation on screen in mainstream, you know, material. And, like, a turning point was uh, Philadelphia. It was a turning point in, like, the early 90s. Like, there wasn't a lot. There were some, but there wasn't a lot. I mean, now no, they're making up for uh, it. No, Dave, I think we need to stop doing this stupid game of of, of dis, uh, assigning things because we feel it. It's the same as that movie that came out. What was it called? Luca, I think it was, about the two little mermaid boys. Mm. Um, and people were like, oh, my God, I'm so glad they made this movie. This movie is about being gay. And the guy turned around and said, no, it's not. Mm. It's just about being an outsider. It's about being you know, not sure of yourself. I'm glad that you feel that way. I'm glad that it resonates with you, mm. but I didn't make it to be gay coded. Yeah. And then people are like, how dare you? No, you definitely made it to be gay. <laughs> stop reading, stop assigning shit and saying that it's fact. If you read it that way, great. Good for you. I'm glad that you can identify with someone, but don't tell me that you've decided. Now, when I say you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking no. about in general. No. Don't tell me you've decided that that's what the person did. And that is fact. Okay, well, but now, so what are you saying? Like, unless it's, unless it's, um, unless the creator or writer says, yes, I purposely did this and I wrote it this way, then what it is, it's just your interpretation well, of what but, you read. But are you happy now? It doesn't make it back. But are you it happy now? make it real. Are you happy now that she's like officially gay? Like, is it okay I now? Give, I don't give a fuck, mate. I only watch <laughs> old Scooby Doo stuff anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I only watch reruns I, of the old show. I, but I, I, I don't understand why you're so upset. Like, I mean, like, Velma, I'm glad. Like, it's, you know, they've got some representation in, in Scooby-Doo. Like, why not? It's supposed to be a diverse cast anyway. So you've got the relationship between, you know, the chick um, Daphne and um, what's the guy's name, Fred. And then you've got you've got Shaggy and Scooby, um, who are the stoners. And you've got Velma. She was kind of by herself. And, you know, I like that they've done it, man. Like, it's harmless. Good for you, Dave. I'm glad you're know. happy. That's, that's just, nice that you're happy. I don't give a shit, but it's nice that you're happy. Yeah, well, I'm going to watch it. I, I just, what I like is, I like that they've gone out of out of um, sort of cult 
uh, and having to code things and the audience having no, to read the subtitles. The, the reason code. that they have to code things and, and reverse engineer and whatever, because the story we'll talk about later, oh. people don't care about gay characters. Oh, well, some do. That, that, that's not true. There is an audience out there that, that, that does care. I'm not saying it's the majority. There's not a big audience, mate. There's not enough audience to carry a new franchise or a new character. It's just not there. Well, it depends. I mean, which is why they have to. It's why they have to backdoor engineer and convert <laughs> characters and and change because they're like, well, we have to. I I understand it's the what only you're way saying. because the majority of people, if we create something new, they ain't gonna tune in. Well, you know. I don't know, man. It, it's a, it's a, that's a complicated discussion. We've got something here which is an example of an LGBT comedy that has bombed, I believe, had the first... Uh, is it called Bros, Rich? I'm sorry. I have, I'm, Bros. Yeah, it yeah. is called Bros. I've yes. not seen and, that. But... Oh, the writer slash actor is not happy. Oh, you're well, a bigot for not watching it, Dave. It, yeah, it bombed. Uh, you know, I haven't watched it at all. But it bombed, and it was the first gay romantic comedy from a major Hollywood studio. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, look, the you know I have a passion for this um, uh, LGBT thing. is very important to me. So... Uh, look, it's a noble experiment, um, but at the end of the day, it didn't. It didn't. Um, it didn't live up to you know any expectations or anything. It it bombed at the box office, and you know, and, you know punters are the final judge on that kind of thing. So let's have a look at the Metacritic for Bros. It's not good. Seventy-seven on Metacritic, three point three user score. Um, yeah. So it's got a you know, it's got a a decent Metacritic score, a very low user score. And it was always going to have a, 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 a good Metacritic score, Dave. No, yeah, no, I, no, I reviewer, no reviewer was ever really going to bash it. Not, not unless they actually were, had balls of steel. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. Um, I, I'm, I kind of, and this could be controversial, um, but it's not meant to be. It's more of an observation. I've often felt, and I've seen it commented before, that uh, female same-sex seems to resonate more popular with mass audiences than male same-sex in a lot of instances. And they say that there's a lot more representation of female same-sex than male same-sex well, in the shows. I, I, well, there's, I, probably the theory behind that is, okay, for, let's be honest, one, most guys... Mm. Don't go and watch rom coms anyway, sure. right? Yeah, only true, if true. you know the, yeah, true. And they, I'm not saying every man, but I'm just saying, let's be honest, majority. majority of men will only go watch a rom com because the, the wife or the girlfriend wants to, okay? 100%, yep. Now, I don't think most women are going to be interested in a gay ro- uh, uh, a gay rom com. Some okay? women do strangely get no, turned no, no. on by it, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. Agree. But I yeah. just think most will probably go do watch a lesbian one, yes, because at least it's women and they could yeah. probably relate to them on some level. Mm. Um, their occupation, their life, whatever. There's a, but I just, I and I think the shows that I think there was no market for this, unfortunately. Sure, there was maybe a tiny market, very, 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 very tiny market, but there was no real market. More, more for of an you art house. You market. didn't read it. Now, the, that, and, but here's the thing, Dave. Mm. It's not to say that you can't make this, but you maybe need to be. You can't just you, you can't put it out there and go, we're making something gay, and because it's gay, it's going to succeed. No. Mm. 
you got to know your market, unfortunately. And you took a big chance on this. Mm. You you released it in something like was it something like was it three thousand cinemas or something right. like that? Right. And most of them were empty. This should have been a much lower budget movie. Yeah. Uh, lower marketing. Um. Uh, maybe a little bit in the thing, and then straight to streaming or something. Like, I'm sorry, but yeah. if you thought that this movie, this niche movie, was going to make bajillion dollars mm. i think you were fooling yourself i think i you agree were really with you. I actually you know, i agree with you I've, I, but you know what uh, i agree with you 100 percent. and the results have proven what you're saying right anyway i mean so you're justified by looking at the box office numbers i think the model was wrong uh, although i will say this and, and look i don't want to give the studio too much credit but as an experiment it is a noble experiment and i appreciate that they tried um, they tested the waters. Someone's got to test those waters. You know what I mean? Like, you'll never know until you try. Uh, I think this shows the appetite may not be there um, for, for this, you know, thing. But, the, but the, Dave, let's be honest. I think you've got to say it like it is, okay? I, and unfortunately, the LGBTQ, like, they make up a tiny percentage of the population. So you need to make shows and movies with that in mind. I think TV show it could have worked. Um, there, I, I, I think on TV there's a lot of that representation. Like, there's a lot in a lot of shows, and it's good. Um, I, I, I see this would have been better as a TV but show. Also, but the problem is, and on top of that, mm. it wasn't funny. I watched the yeah, trailer well, for the it. the other thing, yeah, right. It was horrendously not funny. Like, well, see, that's the – I'll tell you one that worked that had uh, featured uh, gay leads, Birdcage, one of my favourite movies, favourite comedies. That featured. Uh, oh yeah, Birdcage. I love. Yeah, I yeah. watched Birdcage. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah uh, so. Robin Williams and. It's uh, actually why isn't that getting um, like that was. I'm pretty... sure they've made. They must have remade that. I'm sure they have. Come on. No, no. But what I'm saying is, when we're talking about like the first comedy, featuring you know gays. Oh, because they weren't really gay. What do you mean? Well, I think the actors in this actually are gay. Like all the actors are gay, lesbian. Oh right. right. Okay. They are what they are. Oh, okay. Well, there's, I... no, there's no acting involved, Dave. Uh, okay. All right. But um, even still, I don't... Okay. I mean, I guess. But, like, I, I think... Yeah, but Birdcatcher was pretty damn good. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was yeah. funny. It was hilarious. Right. So that's the difference. That's the difference. That, that it's just, like... Because I was like, they were the leads, weren't they? Uh, were they? Correct. Yeah, I thought they were the leads. Um, ah, but you must remember, Dave... Nothing existed before 2016. No, there you go. Nathan Lane is gay. That's what I thought. Nate, obviously, Robin... Yeah, but Warren Williams wasn't. Yeah, but Nathan Lane was. Um... Yeah, but I think he came out much later as gay, I think. Mm. Okay. But again, Dave... Came out publicly, the... came out publicly Dave, in 1999. That doesn't fit the narrative, Dave. It doesn't, does it? Okay. No, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. Nothing. True. You bigot, Dave. Nothing existed before 2016. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You bigot. Oh, you bigot for remembering Birdcage and enjoying it. Look, I am very sympathetic to the cause, and I think everyone knows that. I don't need to bore the audience with my monologue, but I don't, as you say, not a funny movie, um, probably the wrong marketing, probably went way too hard on just that. It's gay. You know, we're, we're the first gays to ever do this. Like, again, not true. And, and it just didn't resonate. Like, I have, look, honestly, I haven't even seen a clip of it, so... It's. It feels like it was just like one of these attempts that just, like you know how we talked about Charlie's Angels. I love Charlie's Angels, but when that last one came out, it was like, 
you know, we hate, you know, remember the marketing around it was like, this mm-hmm. is just for women, finally, a, a, a film for women uh, with action. I was like, what about the original Charlie's Angels? <laughs> like, what about the very franchise that you are doing? Like, it was all women. That was the whole fucking point of the show and movies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I guess he wasn't a lead. Um, as good as it gets, featured um, the character, I forget what his name is, the actor's name. You know, the guy in As Good As It Gets, the the, the sort of, like, he's in the block of flats. You know the guy I'm talking about, Rich. The the guy that's mercilessly tormented by Jake Nicholson. You know the you know the the, the actor I'm talking about? I don't know what the guy's name is, but... Uh, Colin, yeah. Um, he's a gay uh, character in a comedy is what I'm trying to say. Right? I know, yeah, yeah. I know the guy. I'm trying to remember his name as well, but I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he's so, been in, uh, Greg, Greg Kinnear? Greg Kinnear. It is Greg Kinnear. I don't yeah, think Greg, Greg Kinnear is gay. But, but, like, so that was the thing. So, yeah, Birdcage, um, I think, kind of, like, was probably one of the first mainstream. There's was a, definitely a hit. Hang on, there's a movie where even Tom Selleck plays a gay guy. Yeah. Well, I can tell you there's a with, movie. Uh, with Kevin Klein, I think. Right. Yes, In and Out. In and Out. In and yes. Out, yes. Uh, there's another. Man, there's been a lot. If you actually, if you took your time, you'd find that there's a lot, but that doesn't fit the Well, I'll, I'll tell you one that was maybe not quite mainstream. It was called The Broken Hearts Club or Broken Hearted Club, one of the two, I can't remember. It features Dean Cain, various actors, some of whom were gay. And, um, but they're all playing like a gay baseball team and, um, in LA and, you know, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a good movie actually. Um, came out late nineties, early two thousands, uh, good movie. And, um, probably not, it was probably slightly more art house, but it was pretty mainstream. Good, good film. Good, good. And it was, it was a, literally was a romantic comedy. You know what I mean? Like that's literally what it was. Uh, so, and I well, still say Birdcage beat them by a long way. Yeah, but Dave, here's so the the mistake is is that um, none of those movies mm. attacked people for not being gay. No, yeah, like this movie, like it's all about gay, and like there's even lines in the movie like you remember straight people? Oh my god, they were so terrible. Like you know what I mean? Like. Ugh. Remember when they were a thing? And it's like, you're not going to win people over by attacking the 90% of your audience. Like, mm. that are coming. Well, look at the description for Birdcage. This is a description of Birdcage. A, a gay cabaret owner and his drag queen companion agree to put up a false straight front so that their son can introduce them to his fiance's right-wing moralistic parents. So mm. that is pretty much a... That's, that's a flat-out romantic kind of comedy. You know? Like, that's, that is what it is. Yeah. You and know. it's a movie where lessons are learned at the end of the day, where, um, you know, people people um, learn <laughs> that while they're different, they're similar. Do you remember Robin Williams, how he's playing on macho and stuff with his chains and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got the, the big uh, cha- hairy <laughs> chest with the gold chains and the open Hawaiian sort of, like, shirts. And... I, I really like that film. I, I, it's that movie's hilarious, yeah, man. That movie, movie is a classic comedy. Anyway, it sounds like, look, as I say, this sounds like it was look, like... you didn't make a good movie, stop crying. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, well, well, Eichner, Eichner, Eichner. I've got to be honest, it sounds is. like this guy's probably trying to make a bit more of it than it really is. And I'm kind of annoyed that um, they were, they're, they've totally forgotten Birdcage. <laughs> 
Mate, they've forgotten a lot of movies. Let's <laughs> like, be honest. I, they, like, I mean, I, that's that's <laughs> probably the worst one to forget about because it's such a classic. But yeah. they've forgotten about a lot. Yeah, they have, and it's it's um, as you say, it it's the news cycle where if it didn't happen in the last, I would say five, five years, years, yeah, five six years, yeah, yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It happen. You're an idiot. For Never happened, you bigot. Yeah, it, you're you're an idiot for even remembering, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, Frasier has been picked up for a reboot by Paramount Plus. I'm excited. I love Frasier. Um, he's looking old. I'll say Kelsey Grammer looking real old. I, I saw a picture of him. Oh, Jesus Christ. you know what? You you talk about old. Now I, this one, um, I don't think many non-Australian listeners would be familiar with this. Do you remember Wog Boy? Uh, vaguely, Nick, Nick, whoever his name is, yeah, that guy, Nick, yeah, Nick Topolis, yes, whatever yes. his name is, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They have got a new movie coming out called Wog Boy Forever, oh, and Jesus. they look, they look so old and wrinkly. Uh, um, I just think to myself, Jesus, even even Australia's now getting into the oh, let's make a thirty year old. Uh, well, he's been <laughs> twenty thirty year old. He has uh, been sequel. pushing that since the eighties, man. Like that dates Although, back to then. Do you remember Red Dwarf? Yeah. So apparently there was a movie that they made in like 2020. Yeah, there um, was. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I was trying to watch it the other day, and they look so. Old. Yeah, it's well, so weird. When the last time you saw someone, they were probably like 30. Yeah, and then you you tune in again for something more recent, and you go, "Good God, you look 60. What happened? Am well, I that old? Am I <laughs> am I am I an asshole here for thinking that Red Dwarf just tried to keep the party going for too long? Like. Like I'll, I'll be honest with you. We've been watching it recently uh, from uh, series one. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Even from series one, it's enjoyable, but it's not as funny as I remember. Yeah. I was never its biggest fan, but I saw plenty of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I saw mm. a lot of it stoned, to be honest. Like I, I watched, we watched Bottom recently, right? Oh, Which yeah. is a Rick Mayo yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That thing is still hilarious. It like, is funny. Uh, 20 I, I, last time i watched that was 20 years ago i think right well sure. maybe 15 years ago and i just rewatched it again now and i laughed my ass off it is still funny it's absurd so too. Wolf, it's very slapstick bottom like yeah very. but red wolf i was like I, I remember enjoying it like 20 years ago but i'm like but i'm like but i feel like i've maybe in my mind mm. have remembered it wrong it was like funny. The nostalgia has it w- made it seem funnier than yeah. what it actually is. It was funny, but it was also they did stretch it for too long. You know, like it just mm. and they kept coming back. It like it was one of those shows that was popular and they kept going back again and again and again. It was, and to you know, be fair, it, it also it's British TV, so each series is only like seven to eight episodes yeah, so yeah. it's not like america where you know, uh, but i think the actors were more than content to keep coming back for that paycheck and um i think well they, i know the know. guy uh chris barry the guy that played rimmer yeah um he actually left for a while to he film did. his own show was hilarious british empire i love that show which I, was funny and then he came back so yeah. i loved british empire i was a big fan oh of i have show. i have that on dvd it's great i love it it's a very funny show where he's the owner of the or manager of the sports center or something yep. it? yeah yeah like the resort place the yeah yeah the hilarious resort. show yeah hilarious show um, now we had some news here. So, are you excited for the Frasier reboot? Because I was a big no. Frasier fan. No, not a Frasier fan. I love Frasier. No, I love Frasier. I've I've got Frasier on DVD. I've got the collection. I'm just not not. I'm oh, really? not excited for a why? A, a, Jesus, a why? Why? 
because they don't work, mate. One out of a hundred is not good enough. I'm sorry, it's just not good. Uh, it's not good odds. You know what I wish they'd do? I wish they would have done a Cheers reboot. Can you imagine just cutting to the, the oh, bar? Oh, it would be so not funny today, man. Oh, dude, if they cut to the bar and Sam's serving the drinks, I no, I would watch it, man. I would watch it with a passion. What, a reboot with different characters playing no, Sam and Woody and No, not fucking, no, dude, no. With the same actors. That's what ah. Frasier's going to be. That's what Frasier's going to be. It's going to have Kelsey Grammer and it's going to have Niles. It's it's all the same people. I don't want to. I don't want to see old Ted Danson and and. Why well, Ted Danson's in fucking looks, everything looks, anyway? Looks so sad, dude. I'd watch it. it if they rebooted Cheers, I know everyone would be old, but I'd watch it for well, sure. Well, it's not a reboot. You're talking about a continuation. Well, they're so calling Frasier a reboot, and it, it can't it, be a reboot they, if it's it's a sequel. Then whatever. If Kelsey Grammer is is Frasier in it. And Niles is in it. They, that's yeah, but what I'm saying is that's going to continue. It's a continuation. It can't be a reboot. Okay, well, whatever you want to call it, man. No, I'm not interested. If they, if they look, if they did Cheers with all new people, no, I'm not interested at all. I, I'd hate it. Um, and the same thing with Mash. No, um, but like Cheers. How old's Ted Dancer? Mid seventies. I was going to say yeah, he's got to be seventy two, seventy three. He's been in a lot that. of TV. He's been in a lot of TV since then. How old's gee? Is Norm still alive? George Went. I'm not sure if he's still alive. Oh, uh, I think Norm is still alive. I don't know about Cliff Clavin. Um, I don't know about Cliff. He c- could be. I think Cliff Clavin is still alive. He does a lot of voice work. Um, I mean, obviously, we know Woody's. Anyway, uh, everyone would be old. Everyone would be old. Mm. Everyone would be old. Would you agree? Apart from Woody, Woody be the youngest. Yeah, um, I still, I still don't. No, you're not feeling it. No. I just don't. I, I just can't see it being as funny as it was. Yeah, he's seventy-five. The guy who played Cliff Clavin, he's still alive. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. It, most people are alive. Uh, Rhea Perman's still alive. Danny DeVito's wife. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know. She's Sam's still alive. alive. Diane Keaton. You haven't seen Diane Keaton in a long time. Not Diane Keaton. Um, what's her name? The chick who played um, Shelley Long. Who played um, Diane? That's what I'm saying, don't kid me. Shelley Long is, I believe, still alive. You do not see her at all. She's, in, in, in essence, I think, pretty much retired. She's 73. Um, you know, they're, they're alive. They're alive, man. They're, these people are alive, dude. I don't want to see it, though. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to see a bunch of oldies. I've already seen enough shows where I'm like, oh, God, look how old they are. I don't like this. I love my cheese. You know what I should do? Just watch cheese again, Dave. Just That's what you should do, yeah, Dave. You yeah, don't yeah, need well, a reboot. I don't or a fucking just need rewatch yeah. it. Like I don't need everyone to come back with all creaky joints and be sitting at the bar and like having to get massaged. Yeah, and having younger writers who aren't funny write jokes for them. No, man, come on. Yeah, no, I'll just go and watch cheese again. I love cheese, man. I love cheese and mash. I like Frasier though. Frasier was a good show. I see. I think Frasier could work because. Um, it was a clever show. It was a different show from Cheers, even though it featured the same guy. It was a different kind of comedy. It ran for such a long time. It ended well. I just... Why pick it an old wound? The... Well, it's not really an old wound. It was a big fucking hit. No, but you know what I mean. It closed. It healed. You You moved on. It had a good ending. 
I you want know, more. life's moved on. Don't, 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 don't reopen the. I want more. The, I want more. That's uh, me. I want more. You get, listen, you're getting more. So there you <laughs> I go. I want Sam to turn up as well. I hope you don't choke on it, Dave. Because I, I, in the original one, there was the one where Sam turned up. I think it was literally called that, the one where Sam turns up. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, like, I, you know what I'm hoping? I'm, I'm hoping the cheese cast does, like, drive bys and stuff. It'd be good to have Ted Danson come in for an episode and stuff like that, you know? Like, continue the story. Oh, I'm sure they will because it's all about member berries. It's all about nostalgia. I'm re- I'm ready to gobble them all up for the cheese Fraser stuff. I I yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. You're stuff. Like, give me all those member berries, please. Well, I tell you what, Kelsey Grammer, they better get him now because he's looking thin and old. You know, mm. um, now he is he is old. <laughs> yeah, but like, how? Let's have a look. How old he is? I reckon he's. I I would say he's. I'm going to guess seventy four. So, I was going to say seventy six. Let's have a look. Kelsey Grammer. And this is his reported age that he tells fucking, you know, he tells IMDb or whoever he tells. Like, it's, you know, it could be a few years off. Uh, okay, so he's born in 55. So he's 67. Okay, so he's younger. Oh, he's actually much, much younger. He's younger than I expected. Um, he's lean, very lean, and he's had a lot of work done. You can tell mm. the Botox is just flowing off him, you know? Um... <laughs> Yeah, he's had a lot of um, a lot of uh, stints in rehab over the years. He's done his fair share in rehab, and um, you know, I'm 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 I, I gotta be honest, I'm really looking forward to it, man. To be honest, a- am I am I crazy that I'm looking yes. so forward to Frasier? How it yes. ran from '93 to 2004, so that's a pretty long run. Yeah, that's what I said. There's enough. Just go back and rewatch it. <laughs> 264 episodes. Wow, that's a lot of episodes of Frasier. It did go for a long time because it went straight after the end of Cheers. Cheers ended in '92, and then I remember Frasier starting, and it was, but it was always on syndicated TV, always on cable. Like you just couldn't get away from it. It was Frasier was like one of those dependables, you know. It was like everybody loves Raymond. It was that, that went for a long time as well. Never liked that show. I must be honest. Loved it. I got to be honest. I had a huge crush on the wife. Massive crush on the wife. Fair enough. I, for some reason, I just always thought she was really hot. I don't know why. It was kind of girl next door, I think. But it was just something in me that just couldn't get enough of that wife. Anyway, um, moving on from from that important conversation. Uh, CD Projekt Red um, is doing a lot of things. There's plans for a new Witcher trilogy to be released over a span of six years. Set three brand new full-fledged games set in the Witcher universe, starting with Codename Polaris, which will be the next mainline Witcher installment and the beginning of an entirely new saga um, over six years. And the second and third installment will rely on the technological foundation put in place for Polaris. They, they, they're making it sound like they're launching something into space, uh, which should streamline development and enable the studio to focus on achieving its creative vision. Um, in an update to its long-term strategy, City Project Red has confirmed work on a brand new full sequel to 2020's, they say divisive, I say not. Sci-fi RPG Cyberpunk 2077. Very little has been revealed about the sequel aside from the codename Orion and the promise that it will take the Cyberpunk franchise further and continue harnessing the potential of this dark future universe. Uh, I am excited, Rich. Uh, another reason to live. I mean, I've got the Deadpool 3 with Hugh Jackman coming up. I've got more Witcher coming up. I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima. There's going to be a Ghost of Tsushima sequel. There's going to be Assassin's Creed sequels. Um, I'm in this shit for the long haul. Count me in for another five to ten years, planet Earth. 
Okily dokily. What about you, Rich? Not does none of it excite you? Are you just no? You're well. I'm out. You're. Are you just walking dead inside, Rich? Like what's going on internally, man? Because you I just never got into The Witcher. Sorry, man. Cyberpunk. What about Cyberpunk, mm, man? No, I never played it. What about Ghost of Tsushima? Come on, never played it. You need to get a PS5, man, and get involved. You need to do it. No, I don't need to do anything. I think you do. And I mean, we've got. No, I told you, I'm not into that. I'm getting a Switch, man. Okay. All I'm right. Not, not some PlayStation weeb. Okay, but meanwhile, we've got the Frasier reboot. You're not excited about that. Correct. I'm pitching ideas for Cheers. You're not excited about that. Correct. Not excited for Gay Velma. <laughs> Correct. Everything. Just not excited, basically. No, I'm excited about getting my Switch. That's fair enough. Well, that's good. I mean, and ironically, you'll be playing some Mario on that with the proper voice. So, you know. Hmm. Gee, I hope don't Mario. have a problem with it in the game. You know what I? You know what I? You know, you know what I pray happens. I hope Mario has fully spoken lines inside that game, proving you wrong. That's what I hope happens. Like he fully but spoken he lines. Oh, he might though. <laughs> uh, Christian Bale has told GQ that he owes much of his career to Leonardo DiCaprio. According to Bale, most of his roles were offered to DiCaprio first. Any role that anybody gets, it's only because he passed on it beforehand. That's funny. Um, you can see, actually, that, you know, they both are the very strong actor kind of roles that they get, you know, so it is kind of the same kind of style. But that is that is funny. Christian Bale's actually quite amusing, some of the stuff he says. He's a bit more chilled than a lot of these other people, you know? Um, maybe it's the Welsh in him. But um, what did you think of that story? Maybe. What did you think of that story? Did that excite you at all? Was that exciting? No. No, no that, that did nothing for my uh, for my jollies, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, I try. It, I, for me, it was like a downbeat ending, like kind of closing off a chapter as we exit the news. Certain things paid Though I'm dressed in these rags I wear sable 
Comics Rich, through weekly comics this week, two current comics that came out last week. The first one was Action Comics 1047. Is it really that? It's 1047. They've really gotten up there, haven't they? Um, which was the... But like, Can I just say, I really didn't like the cover of Action 1047. Now, I know some people out there will like love it because it's like a big painted cover, and I do like painted comic stuff, but I just didn't think it was a good-looking Superman. Um, well, I think they were trying to do George Reeves. Yes, actually, they... Yes, that is... Yeah, you know... And you know what? It, they did succeed there, actually. I, I, It threw me out of it. But now that you say that, yes, that is exactly what they were doing. And I guess more power to them, because, you know, he was a fantastic Superman. But what was a bit less fantastic... I just found the story was, like, aggressively okay. Like, it was just, like, it definitely wasn't as bad as, like, Ben as a Superman, but um, I didn't love it, you know, and I don't know. I just, I also... Well, the biggest yeah. issue, the two biggest issues is subpar story with um, really bad art. I'd almost describe it as... Almost well, like, not bad art, boring art. I don't know um, describe it as watercolour art. It was almost like a bit like watercolours. Like it was really an odd artistic choice for this return of Superman. You yeah. know how like when people remember when there's like a there was a cartoon mm. and then they try and do the comic and they try and make it look like the cartoon? Yeah. So it's got very flat colours. Mm. Um, you know, very little like it, it just make it look like it it looks like a you you know the uh, the terrible art of the new DC movies that I hate, like that Superman. Um, what is it? The, the man, what's a Superman Man, man of, of Tomorrow? Man of Steel. No, no, the one oh, where it's got yes. John Johns and yeah, Lobo. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. I think Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, I know what you're talking it's, about. Yeah, the art style looks like that. God, that like, was it, that someone was looked worse. at that movie and said, "Oh, let's see if we can make that art style." That was really bad art in that cartoon you're talking about. This was like, I look. I'm not an artist. It was almost like watercolours, but like in a Superman comic. It was a really odd decision. And then the, in the back, I've, I've got something. And the story was, as I said, aggressively okay. I'm giving the whole comic a 6 out of 10. But the backstory really confused me. Is that Connor Kent just reverted back to like 92? Correct. Well, what has happened? Like Connor Kent, like... 
was wearing jeans and had a T-shirt. Well, they had, no, so basically they've – what this is what I think Bendis wanted, right? Right. Bendis preferred mm. Connor Superboy. Right. Right? Probably he was like, I love the leather jacket. Like, that's the Superboy. And so basically – His original look from up, the 90s, yeah? Yeah, but he – so what he did is he aged up John mm. and he de-aged Connor and put Connor – Back to look like he did in the ninth in the oh, 90s. so he's actually de-aged him. Yeah, so the, yeah, he's oh. basically gone backwards, and so and that's what Bendis. So Bendis, I think, wanted that him to be Superboy and didn't want John Kent to be Superboy, which is why he aged him up and started calling him Superman. Mm. I, like, yeah, okay. Well, I was I was confused because I was like, why is Connor Kent gone way back? In time, like to the start, almost like is yeah, no, I was like, is, is no one else commenting on this or noticing this? That he's it was like, is he having a midlife crisis? <laughs> I didn't quite understand. Yeah, it's more of a marketing thing, like it, than anything. They're just to differentiate him from fucking bland as they come, John Kent. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's another problem with the Superman books, like. They didn't need. I, I get it. Like everyone loved that he had the kid. I know you love that, Rich. But they should have kept the kid small because the, the kid small Correct. had something about and, him. You know. And I'll be honest. I actually liked um, John Kent's Superboy outfit. Like, I quite liked that it was like a jacket with the jeans mm. and the sneakers. Like, it looked like a kid dressing up like a superhero. Is that what you it know, was? Like when you yeah. Were, okay. Well, that's, I guess th- th- that's what the look they were trying to go for. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They were trying to make it look like he's not in a costume. Uh, the idea was to make it look like a kid who wraps the towel around the neck yeah, and yeah. says, look, I'm Superman. But I thought they did a very good job of making it look good. Mm. And I really liked that outfit. I quite liked the style that they were going for. But, of course, you know, again, Bender's hack that he is just comes in and shits all over the bed like Amber Heard. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Like, this wasn't... People talk about this Kenny D- Dale Johnson like he's the greatest thing of all time. It was okay. Like, it was... Like, I've read a lot of Superman. It, like, this is kind of why I struggle with Superman. Like, I love my Bronze Age. I, oh, I, this is the empty Superman. Mate. Yeah, this I just... Is, uh, like, it's just like, ugh, you know, no, no just thanks. Just Superman with no calories. Yeah, I just... <laughs> and I really... I've got to be honest. I, I know... I know I sound like an asshole, but... I just don't feel there's a need for Superman, proper Superman, and then his kid who's also Superman and also Superboy. And, and it's just like, I, I, I don't understand why they made the kid like the father exactly. And he's very bland when I've read him. I've read him, I've read him in many a Bendis issue, and I have found him as bland as they come. Maybe he's better in the Tom Taylor Superman comic, you know. Put it this way. The character has... Ben has made the character so bland, right? So, now, he aged up the character, and then the next writer was like, Jesus Christ, this character is so boring, (laughs) but this is what I have to do. What can I do? Okay, let's just make him bisexual. That's going to... Which I, which I don't um, mind, but no, like... No, but yeah. my point is that was done. Let's be honest. That was done because the character was boring and no one knew what to do with him. Yeah, give him a, I mean, give him a point of difference. From, you know, this, uh, wasn't, this wasn't something that was built up or happened mm. naturally, organically, gradually, or anything like that. They bend us at, fuck, as I said, he'd shut the bed. Mm. They were like, what do we do with this character now? It's, it's just 
it's boring. Like, you know what I mean? He's got yeah. no personality. It's what do we do? Dumb. What can we do to make him interesting? Oh, let's let's have him come out of the closet or something. And, uh, you know, same with Robin. You know, you, for say, years you've said yeah. they don't know what they do with Tim Drake. Tim Drake, the, what, what do they... Well, we don't know what to do with the character. Let's just make him buy. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that reeked of desperation because look, this is a character who had long-standing relationships with um, uh, Airy and then a long-standing relationship with Stephanie Brown. Uh, it, like, you, know, you know what I miss about the past? Whenever they didn't know what to do with the character, they either just turned them villainous or killed him. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the Robin one was, I, I think, silly. Um like honestly, just silly, and it, like it was all just to get in the newspaper for one second. But it was almost like they did the, try the same thing in two weeks. Like one was turn gay one week, and one turn gay the next, and it was mm-hmm. just like, I, like you're not even spacing this shit out, like to get the five seconds. Like you're doing the same. Yeah, I think thing. yeah, I, I think it was the same month. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's just a lack of planning. Uh, mm. But. No, I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't need... It was funny when Lois was like, I still think of... um, What's his name? John? Is it his name John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, John is young and his age floats around. I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, because, like, it all it's all happened in such a rush and he seems to be such a boringly average character as well. Like, I just don't think we needed... It's Superman's had a kid and he's exactly like Superman. I was like, oh, whoopee doo. Well, that's what I said. When when Tomasi was writing him, I just I really enjoyed it because it's almost like John um you know, he he chafed at the mm. uh how you know, um, you know, because he feels like he's there. He oh, I've got your powers, I'm just as good as you, or right. I can do this, and you know, he fucks up a lot and but then he also can't kind of you know, as a kid, it's almost oh, it's not my fault, you know. I just thought that was so brilliant because it gives Superman something where it's like Superman's never really had to train himself. You know what I mean? Like he, he, yes, he knew what it was like as a kid, but but kids are different now, you know, it's a different generation. And so maybe the way that his parents helped him, those talks don't work with John because, you know, John didn't really grow up on a farm. Mm. You know, he he grew up with, you know, you know what I mean? So I just thought it was an interesting. Someone, someone told me something the other day that apparently, since rebirth, John and Martha Kent are alive again. I think it was Connor told me that actually. I asked him, so they're alive. Did you know that? Are they? Well, that's according to him. I don't know, but like that's what he said. Yeah, I haven't seen them in anything. He he said after rebirth they're alive. I'm, I'm I think he said that. Uh, I don't think they are. <laughs> really? Because yeah, okay. Well, I'll ask him again. I don't know. Like, are they alive or are they not? It seems to be a pretty simple fucking question. Like, I don't think they are because if if I remember correctly, at one point they were even after the rebirth they were living on the farm, right? And they weren't living with the them, and then they went back to the city, and John was very unhappy about having to move to the city, right? Um, because he wanted to be with his friends, and they were not in the picture. Um. I think I'm remembering that correctly. I don't think they are alive. Well, I'm just asking again. Uh, did you say after rebirth and currently Mar and Park Kent are alive? We'll, we'll, we'll see what his response is. I have no idea. I, I wouldn't have a clue. I don't even really care. I don't even know why I want to know because I don't care. But um, because I remember when Tomasi was writing, he kept, you know, he didn't just go. Oh, but are they? I don't think they are. Well, because otherwise he would have gone to them for no, because he would have gone to them for advice. Well, that's and, what I was thinking. I never watched, 
I never once saw him go to them. Go to Mars I like it when when gone. Superman goes to Park Kent and Mark Kent for advice. I think it's cool. You know, he's a family man. Look, at the end of the day, I don't mind Superman has a son. I think it's just. I just think they've done the most boring possible way he's had a son. It would be even cooler if, like, he just looked different, even. He even had a different costume. Like, why does he have to have... I know it's probably slightly different, but it's very similar to, like, the regular Superman. Like, like are they really that determined to get rid of Superman? Like, the proper Superman? I hope not. That would suck. So like, oh, guess what? Superman's really dead, and now John Kent's going to be Superman. I'd be like, fuck DC if they do that. I, I, I no, I will seriously be like, fuck you, DC if that if that happens. You know? I mean, the Bronze Age Superman doesn't have mind, Park Kent. Yeah, he doesn't. No, you're you're right. You are you're a hundred percent right. They died of of some. It's in it's in Elliot's book. He, they contract a rare island yes. disease or something. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you, they're they're only in the flashbacks as Superboy. They're, Superboy has them in the general store because they moved to the general store in Smallville. But so Superboy comics had them in the seventies and stuff. But you are actually, right. I, but I think uh, actually, you know what? I think they could now be alive. I think he could be right. Maybe it's so, mate, it's so hard to keep track because it is let's hard be honest, to keep track. Kent's have died. How ridiculous! So many how ridiculous, though, that like it just says so much about the lack of imagination. Like, what are we going to do with Martin Park Kent? Well, let's kill them, or let's kill one of them, and then we'll kill the other one, and then we'll bring them back, and then we'll kill them again. And I'm like, fuck! Like, it's hard to keep up. I mean, I didn't even think I saw Martin Park Kent in this comic, and this is Superman returning. No, yeah. It's like so. Uh, that's care. what I'm saying. I I didn't even realize they were they would actually been brought back to life because I've not actually in any of the stuff I've seen. I've never actually seen them. And what about Superman? He's brought Warworld back to on top of the Earth, and I was like, not really a very good decision. Uh, that's just a lazy writer probably trying to uh, uh, have his version of. Um, you remember when they had um, Krypton? Krypton. Krypton. Yeah, but that was cool, and that was actually cool. You know. This is like the non-cool version. It really does feel like DC are just coasting. You know, they're just like, remember that storyline we had? Let's just do it again. <laughs> I was going to say dumpster diving, not coasting. But they are. They're sort of like, remember that story we did? Let's just do it again, but worse. But it's sort of similar. <laughs> Let's just do it again. Like, they're just really kind of Remember like... that time that we had new Krypton and then there were aliens up in the sky and it caused some issues and people weren't sure what to do? Let's do that again, but with War World. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah, no, no, six out of ten. What are you giving it, Rich? Five out of ten. Okay. Then we had Vanish. This was Johnny Cates. I found this was a pretty – Diane Cates and Ryan Stegman, who were, did Venom together, I thought this was promising. I, I'm curious to mm. see what happens next, and I'm also curious to see what you think, Rich. What What was your reaction to this one? I, I'm going to be honest with you. This made me actually wonder if Donny Cates is – overhyped and is not actually as good a writer as people make out that he is. It was very simplistic. Can I say that? Not just simplistic. Um, uh, I showed this to a friend at work mm. um, who also does a bit of like writing and, and reads a lot of stuff and all that. And I, I just said to her, I said, just read this and tell him, give me your opinion. Right. Mm. And she goes, she goes, was this written by a 13 year old? It does. It's like, very yes, juvenile. that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like someone who doesn't know what cool is or yeah is a young person that thinks this is cool, this is edgy. Yeah. And it's it's really not good. I've got to be honest with you. It's 
It's not great. It's not good. The art saves it. I mean, the yes. art is art is excellent. Is good, but Jesus, if this is Donny Cates, like supposed to be giving his best or <laughs> whatever, I'm like, I don't know what the hype for this guy is. Then I'm sorry. Well, I'll tell you something. I I heard an old interview with Brian Azzarello, and he says he hates reading pictures as comics where people are pitching a, a TV show or movie as a comic. This is what this felt like, you know. Oh, but that's what a lot of the writers are doing today. Yeah, they're and not that writing was... for the comic; they're writing for the 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 TV. They're writing for the to get picked up. Yeah, and that was what Azarella was kind of railing against when he made those comments. And I think that this is so desperate. It's such a thin concept too. Like, at you know, like it was like stealing, stealing from Harry Potter. Like, like you wouldn't believe it was so unoriginal. And the twist at the end is that the villains are the bad. Oh, the, sorry, the heroes are the bad guys because they're the bad, you know, magicians. Oh, geez, uh, Morrison did that already. Interesting. But it was such a thin concept. I'm actually going to downgrade to a five point five. I, no, I'm going to give it a six because the art was excellent. But Johnny hates. I, I thought this was going to be really good for some reason. I don't know why mm. I thought that, but I, but for some reason. I've really liked some Donny Cates, but this one felt like he just had smoked a doobie and just come up with the most half-baked concept. And but again, this is it. maybe when you write in your own stuff and you don't ever edit it to turn around and say, "Listen, mate, this, this is, this is juvenile garbage. You need to, you need yeah. to write better prose. You need to write better um, captions. This is, this is amateur hour, buddy." Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, because it is. I'm sorry, I was no, reading this is. game. This is a, this is a professional fucking writer who's written for like marvel and stuff mm. this feels like someone's first time writing a comic man it's pretty poor man like to be honest it was um yeah i, I wasn't a I, I wasn't a big fan of it what are you giving it out of 10 rich like i'm giving it a 4.5 but that 4.5 is all art yeah yeah that i'm not giving any points for for, for story <laughs> for writing that 4.5 is purely art yeah yeah I'd be interested to hear what listeners think of this. I, I know Michael Kellisham has recommended Buzzkill, which is an early Johnny Cates project I, I actually want to do on this show um, about a superhero that gets his powers from, like, drugs and alcohol and stuff. And I thought, yeah, seems cool. But but a very juvenile, and I don't mean that in a complimentary way, comic book. And I guess it's kind of like when Billy Corgan said writing depressed music for teens is like shooting fish in a barrel. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, you know, you know, you know what we should add onto the list. It, mm. it came at a bit short notice, but the uh, junkyard joke. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, do it next that, week. That that looks like a much better read than this vanish. All right, well, we'll do junkyard joke next week, man. That's that's fine. I'm, I'm I'm happy to, man. You know me. I'm always fucking struggling trying to find weekly comics because so many of them are average. Uh, so I gave it a 5.5. You gave it a 4.5. And then finally, we had Elias Megan's Blue, Grey, and the Bat, which was the um, Batman Elseworld Civil War. Look, yeah, it was pretty fun. I thought it was fun. I love the artwork. Uh, I was telling Elliot how much I love the artwork when we had him on the show. And listeners, check out the interview because he talks about this one. Um, I could have done with more adventures of, of, of this kind of Batman. It was cool. I, I This, for me, was Elseworld's done fine. It was just so radically its own thing. I um it had a mixture of historical personages. Wild Bill, what was his name? Wild Bill Hickok or something. Yeah, Hickok, um, yeah. Yeah, had him. Had Abraham Lincoln. Uh, you had the Batman who was kind of treated like a uh, the Lone Ranger. They even had who was that masked man and all that. 
Um, yeah, and he even has a, a, a <laughs> Indian or well, half Indian psychic yeah. with a Red, Red Bird, Bird? which yeah. is Robin. And Red Bird is the name mm. of Robin's um, uh, car. If you didn't know that, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, I really, I, I, I dug it. I, um, I, I, I give it, I give it a seven point five out of ten. I thought it was. Oh, a it's great, and it was also nice because it wasn't a miserable brooding. No. Batman. It was actually a uh, a very much a, a, a Wild West Lone Ranger type of uh, Batman, like because they didn't even give you like an origin of him. You know no. what I mean? Because no. I mean, let's be honest. In this in in this era, I'm sure lots of people's parents were fucking shot dead or murdered, so it wouldn't make you that special. Mm. Um, sure. But it was really nice. Um, uh, and I think was one of those guys supposed to be Mark Twain? And- yeah, Samuel Clements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, it was really fun. And um, oh, I was sad when Apocalypse got to. Uh, sure. Got got, shot. Got, that got was, that was a, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, no, Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, but I also like his, um, his Bruce Wayne or Colonel Wayne persona, who's he's a bit more foppish. Yes. Uh, and Alfred's not in it really much, but he gets a nice little cameo in it. Um, no, it was really good. A lot of fun. Uh, it's basically it's Batman as Lone Ranger. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. It's Batman as Lone Ranger, but a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It made me want to watch some of the Lone Ranger uh, shows that I've downloaded. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a strong eight out of ten for me. It's it's yeah, just really it's really, it's really enjoyable. Great art, fantastic story. Like Donny Cates, take some lessons from this uh, yeah, old, please. you know, this this decades old. Uh, uh, comic yeah, and... you know what? The, like, I'm fuck my five point five. Sorry, Donny, it's a four out of ten. Now that I put it up against something that's actually fucking good, you know what I mean? It makes vanish. Makes I want to vanish, vanish. You know, <laughs> like vanish. With... But that's what I'm saying to you. It's so yeah, sad to me that like I've got to go so back and far into the past. Yeah. To read something good because I can't just walk into a shop, pick something off the fucking shelf that's new and be like, wow, this is so well written. Let's, you know what, just just as an experiment, let's have a look and see what CBR had to say about Vanish. Because I bet you they're falling over themselves. Uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's an, a minimum 8 out of 10. Here we go. Uh, this is a review of Image Comics Vanish. I hope they, I, God, I'd love it if they were negative. Oh, here we go. Johnny Cates and Ryan Seguin's Vanish puts the dark into dark fantasy. Oh, God, really? <laughs> Imagine a magic story that turns up the gore and violence to 11 while shrouding the main character in total darkness. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, thank you for describing Spawn. Yeah. St- Stegman and Mayer's artwork is a giant love letter to the early years of Vanish comics, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just want to get to What's the, the score? Here What's we the go. Score? Vanish 1. It doesn't even give a score. Vanish One is the kind of bombastic comic book that gets fits pumping. Yes, it's over the top, wild to the max, and highly outrageous in its presentation. Is it really? But it's also the kind of escapism that a reader will want to revisit over and over again. God. It's the ideal story for the medium. <laughs> and a timely reminder of how fun is still the most crucial element of comic books. So Jesus. that sounds like a 9 out of 10. It sounds like a fucking 9. Like, it's the ideal story for the medium? Are you fucking kidding? That is... It's a, it's a, well, it's, as I said, it's a cheap spawn. Yeah. I'd take spawn over this in a million years. Um, as I said, it feels like someone took Morrison's... Um, <laughs> what was that storyline Morrison did where the White Martians were pretending to be heroes and... Um, 
Yeah, it was the original storyline of the very Mids- first. Midsummer something, was it something? Yeah. I can't remember, but it was one of his first stories. It's like someone took that idea and said, but I want to make it like Spawn. Yeah. Yeah. That's I want to make it dark like Spawn. I want to take Morrison's idea and just make it dark like Spawn. What, what I love as well is, like, just how over-the-top in praise they are. Like, like they're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, but like, their bars are so low, man, because I guarantee so these funny. people reading... These people reading Donny Cates probably don't go back and read the shit that we're reading from like no. the like the eighties and the seventies. They don't make any stuff. effort. So they got nothing to compare. They it make to. no effort. They make zero effort. Um, uh, there's actually a, a a comic I wouldn't mind checking out called Neverlanders by Tom Taylor that's coming out, which I I'm always up. You know me, I'm always up for some stuff. But just to read that review makes me realize just how pathetic comic book reviewing from places like CBR is. Like they'll just, they'll, oh, yeah. they'll promote it. They'll do anything to, to be able to get the Donny Cates interview. You know, they'll, they'll praise anything the guy does. And I've praised several of his books on the show. So I'm quite aware that he could turn into a good comic. This wasn't one of them. This was, this was, this was lame. Um, anyway, turning back to, um, our finally our trade of the week, which is um, Luther by Brian Azzarello and Lee Mayhew. Now, funnily enough, it turns out that I have done Luther on the show before with Connor. Oh dear. Well, no, I I didn't even remember doing it. Um, I still don't remember <laughs> doing it, but but um, but uh, Connor reminded me, and Michael Kellishin reminded me, and they gave me the episode. Numbers. So what I will do is I haven't listened to the old episode. After we have our review, I will put in the um, old review as well. So listeners will see if my opinions change. I loved this. I think it's such a beautiful little storyline. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's fully Lex Luthor, who a character I find very fascinating. And, and we spoke about it with Elias S. Magan about, about the character. Um, and it's how he views Superman. And it's not just from hatred he he's actually he sees the danger in superman in that we're only depending on superman's word that he won't make the world you know bend the knee um fantastic artwork i love this artwork and a pretty simple storyline luther creates what is it is it a cyborg or is it a kind of like no android it's an android yeah Creates yeah. an android that he actually loves, but mm-hmm. he, he implants it with a bomb that blows up a whole stack of stuff, and he makes the world see that the android was going to kill the toy man uh, after the toy man bombs, you know, and kills like children and stuff. Well, it's framed for doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the whole point was he wanted the world to see that Superman wouldn't wouldn't do what. The crowd wants, which is to extract revenge on the toy man, and and then he blows up hope, which was the thing he loved, um, in his weird way. And for me, just a really interesting, introspective uh, look beneath the hood of Lex Luthor. I I really enjoyed it. Um, what did you think, Rich? Oh no, I I thoroughly enjoyed this because th- this book is really good at showing how absolutely delusional Luthor is. Mm. Like when you know when people say, "Oh, everyone's the hero of their own story," mm. like Luther is quite literally like thinks he is the most heroic 
person on the planet. Now, yes, you can argue and say, oh, of course, you should have healthy skepticism with Superman, mm. you know, because he is such a godlike character. But Luther uses it as an excuse. Like that, yes, that is a concern that he has, but he uses an excuse because at the end of the day, he's jealous of Superman. He's sure. jealous that Superman has knocked him off that perch, you know, because before Superman came along, uh, Lex Luthor saw himself as the pinnacle of mm. what people looked up to, you know, that he would lead the people to the promised land kind of thing, you know what I mean? Sure. He would elevate them up and he would be hoisted on their shoulders as their, you know, God king or whatever. Is, and he is brilliant, so he does have Yeah, that. yeah, but what I'm saying is it's, it's, I love this because, again, he tries to wrap it in altruism. He tries to wrap it in that, you know, he's this guy who's willing to sacrifice what he loves to stop the alien menace, you mm. know, blah, blah. The way he, but at the end of the day, he's, a, he's a just a, he's a petty, vindictive, jealous mm. man. But in his mind, he's painted himself as this almost martyr hero who's doing it for the good of humans, but it's not. Like, it's mm. part of it, but the, the biggest, biggest thing is that it just irks him that someone's knocked him off the, off the pedestal. And this just shows the lengths and the delusions that Luther <laughs> will go to to make himself feel like he's this noble hero who's sacrificing to stop this, this threat to humanity. And what's in, yeah, I hear you. And what's interesting, I'm maybe not as critical of Luther as you, but he is extremely immoral. Like he sets up Toy Man, he sets up the guy who sets mate, up he Toy Man. Mate, you, no, he's extremely immoral. He's That's extremely like yeah. he he murders so many people in this. Like uh, yeah. he gets the so he convinces the Toy Man to plant a bomb. Now the Toy Man thinks that it's just a bomb to um, blow up a building or, or to damage a building, but Luther like actually laces it with like super high explosives. Mm. Which ends up killing, like, I think it was something like 160 kids or something like that, because like it's yeah. one of the. But he also used that as an opportunity to kill the guy that made the android for him and his yes. family yes. and play it off like, oh my God, I promised him that he would be safe. And, and it's like, you murdered him on purpose, you asshole. And, but you used it to frame the toy man. So did he do that deliberately to that guy? I wasn't, yes. sure, I wasn't sure if he did that deliberately. Made everything, or not. but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Everything he does, he tries to coat it in that. So he's a, he really is like, if we take it that far, I mean, would it be too strong about to call him a psychopath? He's a sociopath. Sociopath. For, for sure. I, I never like quite know the difference, yeah. He's, he's definitely a sociopath because he has no problems. He doesn't see any problem with killing 160 kids. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it means that yeah. he can, if it means that he can use it to his advantage to make Superman look bad, yeah, I like it's the, part of a play. Like it just doesn't add to his mind that he just killed 160 kids. It's just a oh well, this is what happens to happen so that I can d discredit Superman or make Superman look bad because Hope will then try and kill the guy who I framed mm. for the job that I actually am responsible for. Like, but he doesn't doesn't even occur to him that he's just killed 160 kids. And it was interesting. But it doesn't even phase no, him doesn't at all. Phase him at all. I like the scene with Bruce Wayne where he has the 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 dinner with Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because this lunch. is early on, and Bruce obviously also doesn't trust Superman. At this yeah, point and he gives Bruce that, a so. kryptonite, and then Bruce has the Batman has the encounter with Superman, and then Batman or Bruce Wayne says, "You can have what you need, Lex." After that, he has yeah. a yeah. That Which was is something he needs to help hope you know, to build hope and all that. Yeah, that so. was an interesting thing. Also, he's defeated the end, I believe. It's it's not it's subtle, 
when he says, please just go away, please just fly away, he actually murmurs it. He, he, I do feel at some level Lex feels defeated, you know? At some weird level in his game of chess. It's, 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 yeah, I think it's a defeated in that I think he feel like it's a moment where he thinks like, I'll just never beat this fucker. Like yeah. all my evil machinations, all my posturing, yeah. all my speeches about how he's the menace and all that. I think he just realized, I think he had a brief moment there where he just like, it's like when you realize I'm fucking running again. You know, I, what's it, what's that expression? Um, running to uh, stand still. Running, running at windmills or something? Yeah, or, yeah. Tilting at windmills. It's like, I think in that moment, he was just like, I'm just never going to beat this fucker. Like, he's just, yeah. he's always going to be here. That was uh, interesting. But then he'll, then he'll snap out of it. And, well, and you, you know, the tragedy, which I'm feeling, is the genius. And I have to remind myself that he is a fictional character. Because um, in so many depictions of Lex, he's just out and out, out and out, out and out evil. This is a slightly more complicated version. Um, yeah, he definitely has like a hero complex um, where he wants to be worshipped basically as a god, you know, like he really does. Like mm. it's funny that the very thing that he's so critical of Superman is exactly what he desires himself. Of know? course, yeah, that's what, it's the uh, he's the, the the deep root is is I think it's jealousy. Yeah. Is coats it in the like I'm doing this for mankind because you're an alien and Blah blah blah, and there is probably some truth in that because the best lie mm. is always um, there's always a kernel of truth. Mm. But I think the biggest motivation for him is jealousy. It's the jealousy that Superman has taken his spot. Yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, really, I, I I think it's a really effective comic book. I actually feel, and I had Fantastic read it. Too. What was that? Fantastic art too. Oh, Lieber Mayhew's art. I love it with a passion. Uh, like, I, I absolutely love it. Like, I, I almost can't get enough of it. I I actually could have done with more chapters. They do a Joker one together as well, which I want to do at some point. But um, really, I, I'd read it before, and I realised it must have been for the show, but I only read it once. I felt like I got more out of it this time. I, I won't be surprised... You when know I, what? I think you've got more out of it because mm. you've been reading so much Bronze Age Superman. Yeah, probably. I think because a lot of the the uh, kernels, the uh, the threads that you're reading here were sown. Yes, back then, definitely. Yeah, you know I, I mean? agree. Uh, like I agree. when we were discussing, like Megan uh, earlier, as Megan basically said, Luther is one of his favorite villains, mm. and he loved writing Luther. And um, you know, he he wanted to make Luther more three dimensional. He didn't just want to make him a villain. You know, conquer the world. I yeah. just I'm evil. I'm criminal. I just do things because I'm a criminal. He wanted to give him a bit more motivation. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and. And he's succeeded. But, but he succeeded. now that you've read a lot of that, and I think that that's been sort of going in your mind, I think you now, you've seen Lex in a different light, or you see him in a more thorough Yeah, I, I've go, always oh, now it. I'm now I'm seeing what the character is, suppo- is supposed yeah. to be or uh, what he is and all that. So and, and that's good. And Elliot was saying that he created LexCorp, which is true. And yeah. and, I, and, I, and I was like, yeah, you did, actually. Yeah, now that you say oh, that, you and- did. Here's a little tidbit for the people uh, get you to watch it. He actually coined the phrase "last son of Krypton." Yeah, and, and gee, I did not know that. You know, when he said that, I was like, "Wow, I did not know that, man." Like, 
That's amazing. And, uh, you know, you should get a royalty. Well, we take it on the- because that's what everyone says now. Yeah. That's just like decades yeah. and decades, lost son of crypto, lost son of crypto. And yet um, you don't think, oh, who coined that? You know, you never yeah. once stop to think, where did that come from? Well, it came from Elliot S. Megan. Um, yeah, that's it. And yeah, I think, I think, um, I think this book does a fantastic job of, of showing why I think Lex Luthor is Superman's best. Oh, yeah, he is. And, and greatest villain. And that's not to say that if they did a movie next week, they need to make Lex the big villain again. I think it's time for a Brainiac or something. I think you could have no, Lex but, in there. But you know what? Can I be honest with you? I would actually, I wouldn't mind a, a, a Superman movie with Lex as the villain, right? But mm. I want this Lex because yeah. we've never had this Lex in a in a movie. Mm. Unfortunately, all the um, uh, Christopher Reeves ones, he's basically Gee, just I a criminal it. that's out for land <laughs> and. You know what I mean? That crazy plot. As a criminal for for being a criminal. Yeah. And unfortunately, they do the same with the Kevin Spacey one in Superman Returns, Mm. where he's basically just a less comical version of the Gene Hackman one, but he's still just a criminal for the sake of being a criminal. You know, it's still all about land, basically, like (laughs) some fucking weird criminal real estate. I want, if you give me, if you're going to tell me that you're doing a Superman movie, but Lex Luthor is going to be the villain, but you're going to give me this type of Lex Luthor, mm. this Luthor who is so amoral, but paints himself as this altruistic businessman who's for the people and, and is so dark and dangerous like this. I'm okay with that because I've never been given that in a movie, like in a Superman movie. So if they did it, would I like to see something different? Yes, but if you told me that this is Luthi you were doing, I would then go, you know what, I'll accept that because that's still refreshingly new because we've never had it. Did you like the Lex Luthor in the Superman animated show? Because I quite like that Luthor. Yeah, well, that's that's very that that's the kiddie version or the, mm. the, the, the PG version of this Luthor. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. This is like the HBO version of that version, you know? Exactly, yes, yes, exactly yeah. right. Um, look, I'm I'm going to do something on Signal you don't often hear. Ten out of ten, I think. Wow, it's fun. I, I I love it. Like it doesn't overstay its welcome. It left me wanting more, which I think is is you know a product of a really good comic. I I I really enjoyed it. I love that we went really in the lens of Lex. Like even the scenes with Bruce, you don't see them through Bruce's thoughts you even when you see the action with superman and bruce and batman there's no dialogue uh, from bruce or superman superman is constantly the outsider the alien you know and i really oh, yeah. e- e- everything is from luther's perspective like totally literally works. everything how how funny when the woman says that she's going to hand in a resignation and he just doesn't even accept it does he yeah he just says see you tomorrow see you tomorrow <laughs> yeah um yeah, a really, really good comic, frankly. Oh, yeah, it's comic. a 9 out of 10 for me. Not yeah. not as high as you's because I don't really hand out 10 out of 10s. You don't but, hand out 10s. Yeah. Um, th- this is a definitely a 9 out of 10. This yeah. is a very, very and And, and listeners, check book. this one out. Like, it's not a long read. It's, it, it, it's like 140 pages. It's a quick 140. It's some of the most perfect, beautiful art you will see. Lieber Mayhew never lets the team down. And, uh, like, I strongly recommend just check it out. You don't need to know any other comics. There's no continuity. It's just Lex Luthor and Superman. You know, wouldn't you agree, Rich? It's just you could just walk into this one. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to see a darker, more realistic version of of the the uh, Clancy Brown, yeah, um, Lex Luthor from Superman the Animated TV Show and Justice League Animated mm. TV Show, then this is definitely one to check out. If you want to understand why Luthor is or should be such a great villain for Superman, this is definitely the book that'll help you with that. I think he's Superman's number one villain. I, easily, I'd say, too. I think he's his number one. No, but this shows why, is yeah. my point. Like, this shows what makes him such Who, who would you uh, put it to? I'd put Brainiac, but who would you say? Um, Doomsday? Yeah, shit. Uh, no, not Doomsday. Doomsday is pretty... Doomsday's not even a villain, really. It's, it, Doomsday was just a fucking... Plot device. A, yeah, plot device to kill him. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um... Well, I mean, Zod one. gets a. Yeah. I, Zod, I like Zod's Zod. Good. Zod's, Zod's, good. Zod's, Zod's a good one. But I mean, he's got. I mean, look, the, there isn't too many that can kind of go, that can equal Superman on, on a big level. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's got the villains like Metallo and stuff that can Metallo, yeah. give a momentary pause. Actually, you, you know, know what? I thought that was one thing that I like in an action comics when Luther comes in and sees Metallo. And he's just like this <laughs> robotic, broken skeleton sitting, like on a, in a mm. in a prison. That was actually a good scene in that comic. I thought, you know. I mean, look, uh, I, I'd like them all, but I mean, geez, if you, who am I going to put in number two? Um, Ultra human. You know what? I I will put Zod. I will definitely Zod. put Zod because is Amazo a Superman Zod? villain? Zod, yeah. No, Amazo. Is that how you say his name? Oh no, Amazo is a Justice League villain. Right, um, okay. He was created, but I mean, Superman's got some good ones because I mean, you've got. Uh, don't forget about um, Mr. McPizzlick. Mr. Yeah, Mr. McPizzlick. Yeah. Well, the, he's more fun than yeah, like, I would he call is. It, but uh, um, but yeah, I mean, Superman's Bizarro? got good ones. Again, it's more of a gimmick. I um, love Bizarro though. He's one of my favorites. No, I love him, but I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't put him on the level of, say, Luther, Brainiac, Zod, yeah, yeah, yeah. or or Mongol. Like uh, Superman's got some cool, like, and so does Batman. There's there's cool what they call like second, third tier villains. You know, mm. like y- your Metallos, your Bizarros, where mm. you can have a an issue of fun mm. or one or two issues, a bit of fun or, or some uh, danger. But but if you're talking about like, oh, we want something that's pretty in depth. There's a plot that's you know, mm. it's something that's going to test him. Well, that's going to be your Brainiacs, your your Zods, that sort of stuff, and all that stuff. But I put Zod too, I'd say. Oh, cool. Okay. Brainiac three. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, look, it's it was a really good comic, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Rich, next week, have you got a pick already, or do you want to work it out during the week? And, you know, uh, the I'm very close to narrowing it down. Okay. Oh, keep us in suspense. Um, okay. Now I do want to say thank you to listeners. Check out the LS Mangan interview. We've got JM D Mateus coming up this weekend. Um, we're going to be chatting to him, so we're looking forward to that. He's been talking a lot about his Kickstarter that he's got coming out, um, which we're excited by. Now, all this content we're giving you, guess what? Um, there are costs involved. Dave has to like mortgage, you know, his pets, you know, kids, houses, refinance it all. So, if you can support us on the Patreon, that is much appreciated. So go to Patreon.com/signalofdoom. You know, really, honestly, I think we provide enough entertainment to cover a cup of coffee, you know, per month. I really do. I believe it. Please help us out if you can. Um, we are proud members of the collective. Um, 
an enterprising band of podcasts. You've got Brian Biggie heading the demons. I, I guested, I did a guest, um, whatever you call it, like guest spot where I reviewed some comics for Brian in the last Inner Demons. Uh, you've got Capes and Lunatics. We just did the 200th episode of Ultimate Spider-Cast with Phil, Lilith and Ray. And um, you've got plenty of stuff uh, trapped in a world, the How the Doc podcast, Ghost Spider Groupies, a lot of good shows that are out there um, that I enjoy, that Rich enjoys. Uh, Rich, anything you'd like to say to the audience? Any pronouncements? You know, we, we, we know that you're all on board for, for Chris Pratt as Mario. That came through loud and clear. I'll just say give him a chance. That's what I'm saying. Give a chance. Give a piece of chance. Yeah. But what about yeah. if you're like me? Like, I don't know if you heard me, but but I almost want to hit the fucking iceberg if I'm on the Titanic. You know, I want to see the disaster. I want the chaos. You know? Yeah, you're a bit of a weirdo that way. <laughs> Dude, you know what I mean? The ice cold water. I can feel it, man. Maybe I was there. Maybe I drowned there. It's just a ghost living yeah, on. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. Do you want to be on the ship when it hits the iceberg? Or you just yeah. want to be watching from a safe distance? I want to be on the ship, and I want to feel it. Okay, that is pretty fucking weird. I'm I want to feel it, man. I want to be part of the chaos. You know, who who knows what went down? Oh, before we go, I had something I thought of the other day. Who's the first civilization that invented swords? I thought of that today, actually, when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima. Swords? Well, is it weird that people develop swords all around the world? This is, this is tying into my alien theories, man. They're not fully formed in my head yet. But I just feel like it's weird that people develop swords all around the world. Don't you think? Like in Spain, really, no. Japan. No. Wrong. You said, <laughs> ah, so you're wrong. They didn't do it all over the world. Uh, didn't they? No. It was only... Um, Europe, uh, Japan, yeah, it was, uh, it Asia. Was, uh, Asia. Asia and Europe. But, I mean, yeah. when uh, when the, the conquistadors and all that arrived in yeah. the Americas, they weren't running around with swords. They were still running around with fucking... Both and arrows. No, you know, stone spears and shit and all that. So, Bows and arrows. no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not everything. But you'll probably find that the ones that um, develop metalwork and also probably had like trades. Who developed the that, first swords? That, Was it Romans? <laughs> probably before Romans. I guess the Greeks had swords. So it was before Romans. I was going to say uh, definitely the Greeks Alexander, and all that. So Alexander the Great, yeah. man. Yeah. Just feel there's more to be told in the story. You just feel I'm just putting it out there. Could it be aliens? No, jury's out. I'll just shoot that down now. No, the jury's not out there. <laughs> jury came back with a unanimous decision within three seconds. Did it surprise you that that's where my curious thought was leading you? <laughs> yes, because the aliens were like, just what modern technology can we give these people? Ah, so it's metal folded, folded metal swords. Yes, that's that. Oh, how high tech. Well, you know, it was just a, hey, it was just a random thought that just came into my head. You know, I had some Assassin's Creed news, but I'm going to save it for next show. There was some Assassin's Creed news, but it was more hype for the new game, basically. That's it. I, the, but you, I, I do agree with you that that's something that's shared. But what I love, though, mm. is while everyone learned how to develop swords, I like that every civilization that made swords made such different swords. Yeah, like rapiers, like Japanese swords katanas. are different to Chinese swords. Yeah. Which are very different to like sort of. What are the Chinese swords like? What are, what what design are they? Are they like scimitars or something or what? No, no, no. They basically they straight swords, but they want always one handed. Okay. Um, right. uh, long thin flat blade. 
but okay. uh, very sh very short uh handle and pommel like it's always one-handed kind of thing or they're quite big hilts i'd rather very, have a katana i'd rather have a katana you know well again you see that's the thing like if you think about it the, the katana was was not made for long fights the mm. katana was made for like very short mm. you know you, you you're killing someone in like two moves three yeah moves, yeah like, boom boom uh, slice 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 and dice I remember Dead Rising too, man. I was in. I had the katana. I was just. I remember Michelle walked in. My character had just blazed his way through this legion of undead through this like sort of like I'd walkway, and came out and it was covered in blood. I was literally covered in blood. Michelle walks in at that exact point. She goes, "What are you even doing?" And I was. I looked at it. I was like, "It's a game." <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm so lost in the game. It's fun. Yep. All right. I want to say thank you and good night. Good night.